This is the Joy of Geek. Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast. I am Rich Lepore. Kevin Schaefer. And we are here to talk about Solo, a Star Wars story. It has been released after much controversy. Much and, controversy. And difficulty in filming. I, like, it, I was kind of thinking about it earlier. I, at this point, because now Disney has owned Star Wars since, what, like 2012, I think, is when they bought the franchise. Right. The, I want to see a documentary about like everything that's happened since then. That's almost more interesting than like, I mean, some of the. I mean, yes, they, but that company, like, they're not super transparent. Oh, I know they're not. Like, do I mean, we expect that? No. Oh, I know. Uh, I'm although, not expecting. Although it, it would be, be cool. It would yeah. be interesting to see like the who's there, Kevin Feige. I understand it's probably Kathleen Kevin Kennedy, Kennedy yeah. but yeah. also just to see her working and right. and how that and how that plays. Well, if you watch the Last Jedi special features, like it's really, the thing that fascinates me most about the whole Phil Lord and Chris Miller thing with yeah, yeah, Solo yeah. is that, you know, supposedly the reasons was that like they were trying to go more off script. Improvi- do, improv- improvisational. Improvisational, do kind of things different, which Ryan Johnson takes major risks with Last Jedi and does Really breaks a lot of the storytelling but, but, conventions. But it's in the script. But it's in the script. They knew what they were getting. They knew what they were getting, and also he's a very pleasant person to work with because if yeah. you watch the documentary, like you can see, he and Kathleen Kennedy had a great relationship. He had a great relationship with all the other executives, and like it was a very you know cohesive process. And like I mean, and so you gotta was, know, like, and you have to know when to bow. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like for example, the dude who did Rogue One. Yeah. Um, uh, Gareth Edwards. Right, I was going to yeah, say yeah. Gareth Edwards. Yeah, yeah. He um he he played it cool. Right. I mean, right. they made edits. They changed right, his right. vision. Right. But at least he got his ending. He got his ending. He got and... a lot of things that he wanted. He right. played it cool. So now he's in the running for future stuff, yep. and or he's just not blacklisted. But he when I saw, a, he even got a cameo in Last Jedi at the beginning. When I saw the end of Solo, and it's yeah. just basically like directed by Ron Howard, I was like, fuck, you know. And then not only that, but then it says executive producers, Lord and Miller. I laughed at that. And when I saw that. I was just like, damn. I mean, they did all the pre-production. They did all of like the storyboarding and the scripting. Right. And then they did a lot of the filming. And they got fired a year ago. And then, yeah, that's what the credit they got. But yeah. It was I mean, good. that's that's fine. I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's just so... Ooh, I, know. I, I just wonder what their future is like. I guess it'll be fine. I mean, it's not yeah. the same as what happened to the Fantastic Four Trank guy. Right, right. Where he yeah. like went off the rails and talked mad shit. Yes, and now... Yes. now companies can't trust him right. to be a team player. Uh, Lord and Miller were already like, is, um, well I know their next project I believe is, they were some of the writers or maybe the main writing team on the Spider-Man animated movie that's coming up in yeah. December. Yeah. So they have that. They that have other projects cool. in the works. And um, Okay, good. So it's not like They're yeah, not dead. They, this just they're wasn't not dead. a fit. They just, it was not a fit for them. They didn't um, they had differing visions from Lucasfilm. So you're but, saying, yeah. but 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 as far as back behind the scenes, like they do show some good stuff in the Last Jedi to see like her in that role, Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So anyway, we're gonna talk about Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, we've both seen it. Very fresh. It was last yep. night, mm-hmm. so we'll be giving you our, our our fresh impressions of that, and we'll also talk about how it's doing. Which, uh, uh, spoiler alert, not super well. Which is surprising to me. And anyway, we'll we'll, we'll give we'll all of our thoughts on that. that. Yeah, for sure. Um. 
in the meantime, though, oh, and also we're going to have a little Deadpool chat when we talk about sure. what we've been watching. Um, sure. I haven't seen it yet, but Kevin has, so I definitely want to get your thoughts on, on how Deadpool played out and, and how that turned out, and then maybe even a comparison, which was the better uh, May movie. Sure. It would be interesting to talk about. Okay. Um, as we always do, we're going to start with news, then we're going to dive into what we've been watching slash reading slash playing, mostly just watching and reading, though, and um, then we will dive into Solo. Um, with sort of a mini-slash-full review. May the force be with us. Awesome, awesome. So without any further ado, I am going to start with a news story that I read this morning, and I was so excited to read it. So, um, in our Upfronts episode, as you hopefully have listened to, you heard that The Expanse uh, was canceled after Season 3. Now, this is a show, it's a sci-fi epic, a lot like, it's kind of like the sci-fi Game of Thrones, very much about, like, intrigue, lots of different characters, and then they all kind of come together and go apart, and it's very, you know, intriguing, lots of reveals and surprises and groundbreaking stuff, and characters that you love dying, and, you know, that kind of stuff. budget, everything. Right, right, right. So, anyways, very expensive show to make. It actually was the spearhead for Sci-Fi, the channel, bringing back, getting back to its roots, getting back to its Battlestar Galactica, we do, like, really good, high-quality sci-fi. Um, so it helped spearhead shows like uh, uh, The Magicians, um, Dark Matter. Krypton. Um, Krypton. That kind of, well, yeah, sure. That kind of stuff. The high, higher, you know, prestige, bringing in, you know, pretty good numbers for all these sort of bigger shows. 12 Monkeys was first, but it's along yeah. those same lines of, you know, sort of a prestige sci-fi show. Sure, sure. Um, anyway, so The Expanse did really well in its first year. I wouldn't say, like, blow it out of the park, but it had, like, 557,000 viewers live plus three. And then... Um, you know the show got stellar reviews everyone thinks that's like the best sci-fi show since Battlestar no question I've seen a couple episodes love the ones I've seen um and I always just plan to get to it when I have some time you know it's one of those shows it's very it's a, yeah it's you an involved show up with it and yeah so um the deal well I'll start with this Last week it was canceled, or two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, it was canceled half, um, yeah, yeah. as part of Upfronts. They were like, we're done with this show, we love it, we thought it was amazing, and all the praise that it's gotten, but we're, sci-fi is not going to continue. Well, come to find out, it's not because they don't like the show, it's not because the world doesn't like the show, it's because of the deal that Alcon Entertainment made. So Alcon Entertainment owns The Expanse, and the deal they made is um, they only get the live proceeds. They only own that show in its initial airing. After that, Amazon does all streaming and all streaming rights in the U.S., and everywhere else in the world, Netflix has it. So Alcon only gets the live rights to that show, and you can imagine with a show like that, where you're getting 557,000 initial viewers um, for year one when it's brand new and fresh, and then it went down to 450 or somewhere in that range, they're not making enough money. Add to that, it's not dark matter. This is a very expensive show to make. It is an epic show. It's not Game of Thrones expensive, but it's somewhere it's in up, between. It's up there. Yeah. It's very expensive. Yeah. Um, so they can't afford to make it and make the money they're making on it. Now, this really bums me out because it, it it's what brought that network its prestige. And, and I guess in a way it's a smart move. They already got the status from it, and now they can move out. And the only reason I'm acting charitable in my speech is because <laughs> of the next news I'm going to tell you, and that is once it was canceled, people were in an uproar. Um, this show has a 99% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It gets better every year. Like, it went from, like, 93% to 99 Like, it's just getting better and better. This third season is supposedly so amazing. It changes the status quo and makes it even better. That kind of show, right, which right. is shifting and getting even better, right? So, fans were so incensed by this move that... They hired a well. They did a petition, like a sign me petition, with four hundred, you know, t- hundreds of thousands of people signing it. Craziness, and 
they did a GoFundMe to get a prop plane to fly over Amazon Studios uh, with a sign that said, um, please renew the expanse. It's the best show on TV, right? That's crazy. I didn't know about the GoFundMe. That's pretty crazy. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, they, so they did that. Um, in addition, this show um, is Jeff Bezos's. like, he loves it. Yeah. So Bezos loves this show. So um, he immediately got in talks to renew it. Um, and so then, weirdly, about four or five days ago, Hollywood Reporter came up with this headline that said, um, you know, The Expanse Season 4 revived by Amazon. And everybody's like, holy shit, right? And then when you read down, it says they're close to an agreement on this, but it hadn't been closed yet. Right. But I guess now, in light of what we now know, it seems like they had some inside scoop and they, they couldn't say it officially because right, Amazon hadn't confirmed it, but it was pretty clear. Anyway, as of yesterday, I believe, it's yeah, been officially renewed. It's been signed. The deal's signed. Um, Bezos appeared at some space convention with the cast oh, cool. to announce it. Yeah, so, you know, Bezos... That's crazy how fast that happened, though. Yeah. I know. Yeah, so yeah. Bezos, for a long time now, has been saying he wants the Game of Thrones for Amazon. Where's my? Where's our Game of Thrones? And it, and he also loves the Expanse. So this mm. was the perfect mix. Yeah. Part of the complication is obviously signing contracts for uh, right for the cast. Although I think it has to do with you know they're already sort of if they do it this quickly, their their um, right to renewal is still within a certain time. Anyway, okay, it's yeah. complicated the actors' contracts. Sure, but anyway, sure. they all wanted to do it, so that makes it easier. Sure. But Netflix owned the rights uh, worldwide, so I don't know how that is all shaked out, sh- shaken out. Uh-huh. Um, but they made a deal. So it, season four is coming to Am- Amazon, where they already have seasons one through three streaming. So it is a perfect right. Thing. It's a, yeah. Um, it's right just there. it's a beautiful thing. So there's that. That is the best news. I, every single day when I wake up in the morning, I type into Google the Expanse for the yeah. last week and a half, and then the headlines are like nearing a deal, yeah. working on a deal. Amazon would like to blah 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 blah. And then today or yesterday, I think it was this morning, I finally heard it. It was like done. It's been renewed officially, and I was so pleased. Um, it's just a fantastic show. It's a, I love what episodes I have. Seen. Yeah, and Actually, I just. Oh, good. Go, no, no. Oh, there's a really cool side note. So, um, a friend of mine, Christopher Rocchio, he has his first sci-fi novel coming out mm-hmm. this summer, and it's already getting a ton of buzz. Oh, wow. It got actually reviewed by the author of the mm. Expanse novel, and he loved it. Abram or Frank or whatever? Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. So. Um, yeah, the... Um that's, that's awesome. That, yeah. That's props to you. Rocchio? Yeah, yeah. Rocchio? Christopher Rocchio. Awesome. Uh, props to you, Rocchio. So... Um, anyway, that's coming back. Yep. That's amazingly good news. And it's just a testament to the fact that I mean, there were a lot of things in this show's favor. Um, you know, Bezos was already a fan, and he's, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. his company. Yeah. So it was pretty clear he was going to make something happen, even if they had to move heaven and earth money wise. Mm. I don't know how that all shook out. Yeah. But I'm just so excited that I can now watch that show, knowing that whenever it does end, it'll get a real ending mm-hmm. and it'll be done right and, and, and with, you know, substantial financial power behind it so they can make the show the way it needs to be made. Yeah. So there's that. Now on the other side of town, Lucifer is not having the same luck. Obviously everybody that probably knows that uh, we knew this on the Upfronts episode last week, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine was immediately picked up by NBC, right. and now it has a home where it should have been in the first place, probably, because that's where all of Michael Shore's other shows right, are. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. where um, Parks and Rec is, that's where um, Good Place... Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Alright. So... We know that's been renewed. But the other big one that people were really worried about was Lucifer mm-hmm. because it ends on a uh, season three. It is a procedural show, but it's gotten a little bit more serialized, serialized, serialized. And now it ended on a cliffhanger that is, like, mind-blowingly big. Are you caught up? 
No, okay. no, but I know okay. what happens because okay. it's, it's okay. Not, it doesn't really matter. It, it does and it doesn't, but like I like that show for watching Tom Ellis and enjoying. Oh, I, that, yeah, what I've seen, I've seen a good part of the first season, and I yeah, me too. Performance is fantastic. It's I've like, seen season yeah. one and then the first episode of season two. Right, and right. what it is is it's a great time. You watch it, you're having a blast. You are, yeah. Their interplay right. is good. The mysteries are pretty good. Um, all of that just makes that show. He's so he's likable. I even like him better than I liked Constantine. And Constantine and Constantine is great, but it's yeah. that same vibe, right? Well, um, even though sort it of is bad like, but good, sort of bad but good, and even though it is like very procedural, at least from what I've seen, it still has those layers in place for it to explore the supernatural element and even, a little more. And even the one, even the part, even the procedural episodes have like ties in where like okay, somebody will steal something, but it's like. Lucifer's wings, right? And right. then you find out like what's up with that, and if he right. cut him off or not, and all that kind of stuff. So sure. it even the procedural stuff plays into the lore. So sure, that show sure. is just really well done. The casting is great. The scripts are pretty great. Um, but anyway, so season three happened. Season finale happened. A great big reveal, and then the show got canceled. Yeah. They were not expecting that. They yeah. really thought was they it were gonna, solely based on numbers. Or? Uh, I believe so. It was okay. just just financial decision. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just wasn't quite enough for yeah. them to justify. Um, so. They, they've also had not quite the same level as The Expanse, but a big push from fans to get that show renewed. Um, they're doing a weird thing where they're actually releasing two episodes that they filmed for next season um, as one-offs. Um, and they're doing it the 28th and 29th, so like literally tomorrow and the next day, just okay. two nights. It's so weird. Hmm. But they're not things that are going to follow up on the finale hmm. reveal. They're just like two more procedural episodes, hmm. which is very odd. Okay. I, I don't know how they're doing that, but they just have these episodes. So that's a very bad sign that they're yeah. burning these off that would have been in season four. However, I just read in my feed that Tom Ellis said that talks have resumed for getting the show back on track. So it is still possible. I think that's a much more long, a longer Boy, shot. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, Lucifer fans, um, I don't know, a little little nugget of, well, yeah. of hope? I mean, that's the thing. There are so many streaming services today that like it shows that do get canceled have a at least a chance of getting saved. But Remember the days when like the Firefly, if Firefly got canceled, yeah, that was done. fucking that. Yeah. There, I yeah. mean, you, there no can talks. be comics. Yeah. You can make a comic, and that's right. the most you can hope for. And they got a movie, man. They were able to do that. But, right. like, but no, I mean, if a show get, got canceled, it was done. Or you could now pray that you could go online and the and the uh, showrunner would be so dejected that they'd just, like, give you an outline for what right. season three would have been. Right, you know, right, Which right. I'll take. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. At least I know what, in my mind, I can put a period Having on it. End, yeah. But the point to me is that a show like Lucifer, as I'm watching season two, or Expanse, as I'm watching season two or three... To know that it doesn't end properly is just, yeah, it just suck. ruins yeah. everything. Yeah, it just, yeah. it makes it not evergreen. You know, there used to be this idea of once you got to 100 episodes, you'd earn syndication, mm. right? And that was the key. You had to get to 100 episodes and then you had syndication. You could go on TNT in USA right, right. with episodes of The Mentalist or Cast or whatever it might be. I just happen to know about those shows. So syndication was really important. Now, I think even more important than that is an ending. Because with streaming, you know, it's 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 all about binging and it's all about start to finish. Yeah, and so yeah. if you don't, it's kind of like the new syndication is having sure. an ending. So sure. anyway, I digress. Okay. I really hope that both of those uh, are, well, I know Expanses are new and I really hope Lucifer does because it's a great show. Yeah, it'd be um, cool. And otherwise all that's going to happen is what happened on uh, with The Rookie on uh, ABC is that you know, they wanted a Nathan Fillion sh Castle show without, you know, this is uh, Jordan's concept and it's very true. And without Beckett, and now they have it. 
You know, and that's just what's going to happen. All that's going to happen is if Lucifer doesn't go forward, Tom Ellis will be in another role, right. be in the lovable rogue, yeah, yeah. solving crimes or yeah. something. Sure. So, anyway, they might as well just call Lucifer and make everybody happy. Yeah. Um, that said, more news. What do you got, yes. Kevin? Okay, so this is one... Um uh, we Jordan would be a good one to discuss on this too because one of his favorite characters. But third um, host, yeah. But um, I mean, I'm sure you've seen his thoughts on Twitter too. It's very exciting news. But um, Kevin Feige has announced that the MCU definitely has plans to bring in Kamala Khan. Nice, um, which I think is a great choice. I mean, she's a fantastic character, and with the Captain Marvel movie coming out next year, there's plenty of opportunities to introduce her in one of those type of movies and then give her her own solo after that. Um, because at this point, you know, they're kind of phasing out the original Avengers from the MCU. We don't know which, the full extent to which. But we don't know the extent to which, but it's like, but I mean. Certainly um, seems that way. Well, and even there was a, like, the first little synopsis, uh, a tease for Avengers 4 the other day, and they, you know, included words like heavy sacrifice, and, um, it, you know, it's very focused on the original team, so. It's pretty evident that even if like not all of them die, it's still like they have their, endings. Their contracts are running up. They, their stories need to end, and so as such, in order for the MCU to, MCU to continue, which it definitely will, and they have plans for like twenty years of Mars movies if they can keep do it. Um, you know, is well, bring again newer characters and kind of promote newer ones to and, the leaders. And the diversity angle is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Black Panther is made, one of the most successful movies of all time. Yeah. And it it finally gave certain communities, certain groups of people, their hero. Right. You know, finally. Right. And and, and Kamal Khan is another example of that for the Muslim community. Um, and she's just a great character. Yeah, she I is. Mean, just I mean, take all that away from it. She's just a great character. Well, that's the thing. I mean, her um, stories are very much like Spider-Man ass, just like teenage superhero adventure learning, uh, learning and having fun learning having family having fun balancing family and superhero life and all these things it's just it's a really great read if you haven't read any of those comics the, yet. especially the um, first three or four yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> trades um yeah it's just it's just a great time oh it's yeah absolutely really good so i mean there's no word on when she's set to come but um like I, my prediction would be introduce her like in like a captain marvel movie like a sequel or something like that have her show up there and then give her her own solo after yeah, that. Okay. Um, or an Avengers one or something like that. But um, well, with the newer Avengers teams, as, as it's going to be in the future, you know, I could totally see her much like that Wade run. Right. You know, right. the all new event, whatever that was called. Right. Right. Mighty all new. What was that one with uh, uh, all new Avengers? Like, some, I think yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah. When they There's got, a lot of different names. But yeah, yeah. She's also on Champions right now, which is like kind of the team of like teenage superheroes. Mm-hmm. So like her, um, the Asian Hulk, uh, Nova. <laughs> what? Yeah, you didn't know about that. No, I didn't. He's a, um, I was a Medius Cho. Um, that sounds he's right. Dead, yeah. yeah, he's that pretty cool. Right. Um, I mean, because Bruce Banner has been dead for a little while. They, have, of course, are bringing him back. But, um, but yeah, so Medius Cho has been kind of the main Hulk for a little while. Um, oh, Amadeus Cho. Amadeus, yeah. yeah oh, no, no, right, I, I yeah. just didn't know what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, from um, 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 the original Hulk thing. Um, uh, World War Hulk, yes. and then and then yes. Jordan loves him. So Jordan's like all up in this. Yeah, Jordan loved that him is like one of his favorite characters, and then he got brought into um, some of the what do you call it? Um, that sh- that one by Gillen, that Gillen that everybody loves. He was in big time. Um, the Young know, Avengers, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Young yeah. Avengers, and then Champions is now kind of that. Now. Nice, but yeah, nice. Um, so yeah, there's definitely an opportunity to bring in more characters like her. Um, I mean, Miles is a possible. I mean, well, sure. they've already name dropped him, 
um, in Spider-Man Homecoming. But, uh, so that's a possibility. But, yeah, I think it's really exciting. So, cool. Um, so, yeah, we could get a Miss Marvel movie eventually. Nice. Um, and then, uh, so, got to do one big Star Wars story before we'll, right. we'll save to talk about Solo's box office performance till we talk about the movie itself. Um, but, um, so right after I had a conversation with a friend lamenting how much, just how much Star Wars content Disney is putting out, and we feel that, like, it's too you know, much. It's, it's too much, and also, like... Friend of the show, Tim, said the same thing last night. He's right. just so disappointed by it not being, like, the way it used to be. Does or mean, or like, even that just main special. lines. Like, every other year, a yes. big episode, that'd be great. Right, it's right. Not, and that, but that's not enough. Go right, ahead. right. So we were kind of lamenting that, but then, that night, they announced one with perfect director, perfect director, and... I'm like, oh, I want to see this. So um, they announced. Why do on, people like him so much? Because he's so good. Tell like, me uh, who I'm talking about. So, well, uh, James Mangold is set to direct a Boba Fett movie. Boba. Um, finally. Well, the Bo- uh, so interestingly enough, the Boba Fett one was written, supposed to be the second anthology film, and Josh Trank was going to do that. Um, I don't know if you knew that, but like they, got, I mean, back at Star Wars Celebration, like two boy, years did Trank ago, throw his career. Oh, away. I know. Back at Star Wars Celebration, like two years ago. They were, um, they announced Rogue One, and then they were, pl- they had kind of teased Boba Fett at that point, too. Um, and, I mean, he was all set Everybody and everything. Everybody loves Boba they had, Fett. Yeah, they had pretty much signed him on. Like, I don't know if he had signed a contract or anything, but he was p- attached to that project, uh, like, a couple years ago. Then the Fantastic Four deba- debacle happened. He trashed his own movie. He, you know, was revealed that he's kind of horrible at working with studios, etc. So, needless to say, that fell apart. Um, and with it, the Boba Fett movie kind of put, got put on you know, hold for a while. But it was kind of inevitable that with the way the anthology films are playing out, that um, with, you know, giving classic characters their own solo movies, I mean, a Boba Fett one was inevitable. So, um, but when they said James Mangold to write and direct, mm, I was mm, like, mm, mm, mm. I mean, because that could not be more perfect. I mean, like, you look at Logan, and as this, like, you know, apocalyptic western you know, hard-boiled um, drama, that would be perfect for Boba Fett story. So, I mean, it, you know, the Boba Fett... Boba thing, Fett as Gunslinger? Gunslinger, and just, like, I don't know, there's so much to explore there. Like, all the... Th- I mean, because... What is it, there? I don't know that much about Boba Fett. Well, What's I mean, his that, deal? See, that's the thing, is, like, it's fascinating that um, people were so into him for it, because the amount... So, it, he made his first appearance in the Star Wars Christmas special... Which is god awful. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I so saw like, it with you. Yeah, we did see it. Yes, yeah. so like event. he shows up at, in that animated portion of it at the very end. That was the first time he ever appeared. Then in Empire, of course, he's in it. He really doesn't do much other and than stand around. Right? And then he dies toward the beginning of Return of the Jedi. Though the original plan for Return of the Jedi was to have him be the main villain. Um, I mean, aside from Vader. Sure, and, but like, know, like Vader's main... Vader's main villain, but it was actually a lot of the movie, was, more of the movie was going to take place in Jabba, Jabba's Palace and on Tatooine than, cool. or, than it can't turn that out to be. That could have been okay. They have the thing, like they originally were going to have Han frozen in carbonate much longer and Boba Fett being a much bigger part of the story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, of course the final product Poor turned Boba. out to be, you know, he um, gets accidentally killed by Han when he gets pushed into the Sarlacc pit. Um, but ever since then, even the, with his limited screen time in the original trilogy, he still has always been a fan favorite. His um, costume I mean, is just his great. costume is just the best. That's the thing. But because um, really, there's very little to the character, at least at that point. It's that just point, that he's yeah. got a rad costume. And then they gave him a dopey origin story in the prequels, and you know, and which no one was pleased with. But um, so it's you know, I, but I mean, a solo movie for him has a lot of potential. I think that's a perfect director. Um, there's a lot of angles cool. you can go with. So. 
Hey, um, couldn't be more high profile and more deserved for Mangold after that oh, performance absolutely. on Logan. That's the thing. Yeah. I hope this one's called Boba. <laughs> that would be. I mean, that would work. Yeah. Or Fett. Fett sounds pretty cool too. It does say. both yeah. just Star Wars names just rule? Yeah, they, they do. Like as we were watching a Solo, I was just like, "What a cool name Han Solo yeah. is!" And then, well, anyway. me and Nub. I mean, come on, yeah. Like uh, the so names many. are awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. Kira Q I yeah. apostrophe R A. Right. Yes, please. Right, right. Anyway. So, um, it's I don't they haven't set a date or anything, but like it's looking like the next anthology movie is going to be Obi Wan. Um, so, like, set in between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope. Um, and there's actually a lot you could do with that because, um, you know, that's a 20-year time period, and they talk about in the Star Wars comics, the current canon ones, that, um, they piece together bits of Obi-Wan's journal and show that, you know, he wasn't always just hiding away in Tatooine. There were, he did go on missions and stuff. Um, and you can also tie it back to, they can explore stuff from his past that they don't show in the prequels. Um, so th- that one has a lot of potential, but it's looking like the boat fight would be after that. Cool. So cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, um, right. but that's all for news. Alrighty. Well, on that note, we will be back with more Star Wars goodness. Yes. Um, in our next next segment, but before then, I want to hear about Deadpool. Okay. Um. So I didn't get to go yet. Um. It is just for some reason he is really not a priority for me, and the timing didn't work out. Um. I will see it at sure. some point, and it will be fun certainly. Sure. Um. How much fun? I liked it. Um, I, you know, I mean, I kind of think both movies are a little overrated. They're not bad. They're not great either. Like, I think it's just like people like lost their minds over the first one, and I was like, it was funny. It was a solid action movie. Um, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this was like mind blowing. Changes the superhero genre forever. And some people are even saying that about Deadpool too. I think that's a way much of a stretch. Um, but it was very enjoyable. Um, I did. I would say I liked it somewhat better than the first one because whereas the first one it has you know a lot of the humor that this one has as well, and I thought the jokes were even better here. But the first one is pretty much the story is pretty much just this very standard revenge plot. This one has a little more of a redemptive aspect to it. Um, do you want me to spoil uh, what happens like at the beginning or just wait at like, the beginning? Like, yeah. What do you mean? There's a guy like major death kind of thing that like sort of directs. No, over. there's no reason yeah. to. I'll yeah. watch it okay, soon. Cool. Um, but anyway, but, but so it's uh, let's just say like and it's something that happens that like actually does kind of like change his character a lot and pivots him forward. But the main story has to do with um, this troubled young mutant um, who he's trying to save toward the beginning. He's helping with the X Men to try to um, save him from blowing up the building where. Um, he's being captive. As the kid is Fire Fist, uh-huh. um, and Cable is trying to kill him because um, of his potential because, devastating exactly. yeah. qualities. Right, and so that's kind of the arc of the movie is like um, Deadpool is trying because he sees a bit of himself in there, and he doesn't want to um, the kid to like you know wreak havoc and everything. Right, so it's him trying to save that kid, um, and then meanwhile he meets Cable along the way. Um, you know, they're kind of enemies at first. Do they, they fight when they meet up? I wonder, you know, mm-hmm. such a big circle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course they do. Yeah. Um, but um, that said, Josh Brolin did a really good job of Cable. Um, you know, it would. Do they, it, so that, they work together at one point. Yeah, yeah. Like so uh, Cable is not off, the villain. Not really. I mean, he starts off. It's set up that way, and then but, re- reveals and right, yeah, right, okay, right. Yeah. Right. Um, but I thought they did a really good job of Cable. I mean, they definitely had a bigger budget with this one than the first, so they were able to 
go much more into the high tech weaponry of cool, cable. Cool. Do have some scenes with him in the future, etc. Um, and is yeah, it, Josh Brolin did a really good job. Is it doing well? Oh yeah, it's it was, like I think it beat Avengers opening weekend, which is pretty. Oh crazy. my god! And that surprised that surprised me just because R rated. Like I mean, can't bring your kids to etc. Um, but yeah, no, it toppled the opening weekend of Avengers. That's unbelievable. That was very surprising. Um, I did not expect that, but um, so there was a good interplay there. I thought uh, some of the. Do you mind if I tell one of the jokes? It's at the very no, beginning. Yeah. No. Okay. Cool. So at the you know they how they did in the first one with the credits they said like written by the real hero yeah. directed by some hired gun in this one so it was directed by um what's his name uh, David Leach I think I can't pronounce his last name but he was um either the I think he was the one the screenwriter of John Wick um or one of the producers okay. something um so it when it introduces him in the credits says directed by one of the guys who killed the dog in John Wick. <laughs> I was like, yes, I love it. So that's um, cool. So there are jokes like that. There's a really good post credits which um, I don't. I'm, I'm not gonna run or anything. But um, yeah, it was fun overall. I mean, like I said, I you know did it feel think, long or did it feel quick and punchy and fun? It was quick and fun. Yeah, entertaining. Um, I mean, there were part like uh, the beginning a little like I mean not great. Um, I definitely picked up more in the middle and the second half. How's Domino? Domino is really good. Yeah. Um, Luck Powers? Yeah, Luck Powers, and they make plenty of jokes about that. Um, she had really good chemistry with those the cast. Cool. Yeah, the whole X-Force was a lot of fun. And then, like, and the scene where they, you know, hire people for the X-Force, that was hilarious. And the scene and that, directly that after old, that. And that dude jumping out of the plane yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I just saw that. I thought, I don't have any powers, but I just yeah. want to uh, sign up. But, That's cool. Um, and there were some good nerdy jokes in there. Um, like, it's in the trailer, but um, Deadpool calls uh, Cable One-Eyed Willie at one point, uh-huh. which that's a reference to Josh Brolin's character in the Goonies. Oh. His, his nickname is what I'm Right, 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 yeah, yeah. right. Lots so of, a lot, fun, just fun rife. ones like that. Just yes. rife with double meanings, right. double entendres, right. references, Easter eggs, yes. just full, packed full. Yes. Nice. So plenty of that. So, yeah, I mean, very entertaining. Nothing, like, again, like, I think they are overrated. I, I would say that the first Kick-Ass movie is better than both Deadpool's. That's his personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I think it's more stylish. I like, love uh, Mitz Blossom. Is Man, that his yes, name? Yes, yes, yeah. I love him yes. as that dude where he's the just villain. like, this is the shit. Right, Check right. out this car. Right. Look at this. We can run people over. Right. Look at my joint. He's yep. just so fun. It was fun. It's a, like that movie I have tons of fun with. I don't like the sequel. Mad but, fun. Yes, he was um, less, less so. But um, that one is tons of fun. But... Uh, but Deadpool, too, yeah, it was very good. I, I mean, excellent. Yeah. All right, well, I look forward to seeing it. Yeah, cool. Um, well, let us now talk about some other things that we've been doing. I have a fun one. I've been reading American Gods. Really? I have. Yeah, it's excellent. It's yeah. excellent. It's very different than I expected. Yeah. Um, I get it that it's about. The old gods, um, Odin and Chernabog and people like that, sure. um, who are on the verge of being forgotten, and the new gods like media, yeah. um, entertainment, all those sure, kind of sure. things. Um, and I get that that was what it was about, and I get that it's about Shadow, and he, he gets out of jail, and, 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 and then like he, he works for Odin, and I get right, all that. Right. Um, but I didn't get what it was going to feel like as a book. Yeah. And so the experience that I'm having, so I've seen like the first episode of the show and I was like, sure. you know what? I want to read the book because sure. it's so beloved. Sure. And I got on Audible this amazing thing. It is the, um, it's called American Gods, the official author's um, rendition, or, or let me see what it says. It says author's preferred text. 
with yeah, a special that's what I have. Yeah. with a special introduction I mean, by the author performed by a full cast. That's pretty cool. So the whole thing is performed like a movie, but it's audio. That's cool. Um, and and also it has like the new version of the text where he added, I think. 10,000 yeah, words. That's the version of the hardcover I have. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, which but is yeah. the preferred one. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder what the differences are. I really do. But but anyway, it is really entertaining. Um, I'm having trouble still, though, figuring out what it is. Like, what like, what is the thing about this book? So this is my first experience with Gaiman's uh, novel writing. So I've, I've read comics, but not novels. And it's very interesting. He's a different kind of writer. He leaves out a lot of the things other authors leave in. Like... When they talk about he got a Snickers bar out, he just says he ate it. Yeah. He doesn't say he took a bite and looked around. Right, He right. says he ate it. Right. That's it. Or um, if he's being interrogated, he was interrogated, and then he, he got hurt. All the blows hurt tremendously. Next, he's sitting in the cell. That's yeah. it. Yep. Like, there's no... He skips parts and, and goes right to different parts. And not just skipping to get to the action. He just skips when he wants to skip. Mm-hmm. It's very different. Um, it works, though. It works. It's definitely different, though. He is not a traditional author. He is a very unique author. Yeah. Another thing I noticed, and I, and I know people know this about him, and if you look at his later production, you can see that he's big on it. He tells micro-stories really well. Yes. So he has little interludes where he'll talk about, you know, um, the Vikings coming over, or um, uh, that one god, um, the woman who basically swallows the dude with her vagina. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Stories I'm, I'm, like yeah. that, or or Anansi, or you know any of those things. He just he tells these stories that are like five minute stories. There yep. was one that really made an impact on me. I forget who it, what, what her name was, but it was about this woman who like murdered her husband and then had a daughter and then like went over it was transportation or whatever they call that like which is some kind of indentured servitude then she falls gets another guy to fall in love with her and then going back and then like gets you know she was going to be killed and and murdered but then she's with child so she ends up getting you know saved from the gallows again and she just survives and survives and survives and then is met by this godlike figure who ends her life And, and it's like this five minute story but it's really compelling and there's lots of those and he does them extremely well. And it's just full of that. Yeah. Even when um, Shadow, the main character, and Odin go around on their... It's a road trip story. And when they go on this road trip, um, everywhere they go, they meet people. And those people will tell stories, short stories. And they'll have these little things that happen. So it's very interesting. It's almost like... And you get kind of glimpses of Shadow's background as well. Mm-hmm. After, I mean, yeah. Early on, like when he's in prison and then... When he gets out, uh, finds out his wife died, and then how she dies, all these things. Yeah. And those kind of things play into the story, but then all of a sudden he's brought into this mythological world. And And I still don't know what he did with and for his wife. Mm -hmm. That I'm assuming that comes much later where you find out what he did to get in jail. It's not that important, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's going to be interesting. And then, you know, his wife is. This is all pretty early. I'm I'm the first fourth of the book, or I'm actually probably just into the second fourth. Um, but he, his wife is helping him. Uh-huh. He, she comes back from the dead and is yep. helping him. And it's it's really, it's really weird. It's oh. it's it's odd. It's an odd book. 
both in the subject matter and the and the story, but style. also in the style. Yeah. And it's it's very interesting. I'm, I'm surprised he was published, honestly. It's the kind of thing I could see a lot of publisher passing on and saying, no, what are people going to like about this? Where's the good part? There's no, like, murder mystery. There's no clear idea of what's going on. There's no... It's not super cohesive. It's not beautifully written in terms of, like, sweeping, beautiful, glorious prose. It's just really tightly written and, and really good little stories and the characters so far are really good like I feel like I really know Shadow and I feel like I really know Wednesday but he makes it purposely very hard to know what's what like when they get to the house on the rock and and they're on this carousel and it like morphs worlds it works really well as a novel because he can do that thing where like you don't really know what's going on not really you know what I mean in that scene like it's like amorphous and Shadow's like is this real is it not and then they describe it as like seeing like the emerald faceted eyes of a dragonfly is the way he's seeing things and when somebody says something and he sees the many versions of that person saying something it's just very it's very hard to explain it's very hard to put into words I think you've done a really good job explaining I mean this is actually a good transition point because like um because Game Ends, well, I mean, one of my favorites, uh, you know, like, I've, I mean, American Gods, Neverwhere, Graveyard Book. Yeah. Uh, Graveyard Book has that feel as well. It's almost like an anthology. I mean, it follows this uh, young kid um, who's called, he's called Nobody because um, he was, his parents were killed when, and he was attempted murder when yeah. um, he was a baby, and then he stumbles off into this graveyard and is raised by ghosts, you know? And like, right. And it, that's, like, the basic uh, driving force of the narrative, but there are all these stories that come about as the book progresses, him meeting this young girl, um, him interacting with some of the other ghosts, getting, like, um, this teacher he doesn't get along with at first, and then who does it, and, like, and the whole elements of the mystery of, like, his attempted murder don't really come into place until the end. Um, And so, and that's pretty much across Gaiman's body of work. Have you read Neverwhere or Anansi Boys? I've not read Anansi Boys, I've read Neverwhere. And actually, the thing I was going to jump onto is um, so I started watching it. I picked it um, but the because Neverwhere originally started as a miniseries in England, um, and yes, and so I found it at the Alamo the other day. Um, so I watched the first couple episodes. Um, really enjoyed it, but like, um, and it was in, I read the book first, and um, what is though, that book about? So it, that's a, you, probably even more confusing to explain. It's a um, there is this guy named Richard Mayhew who has very mediocre life in London. I mean. He's engaged, but very emotionally distant from his fiance. Has a very mundane job. One day, he discover um, he's going out with his fiance. Uh, they're on a rush to a dinner meeting with her boss, and right in front of him appears this um, wounded young girl um, in the middle of the street, and he stops to help her um, and takes her in. He was like, she she begs him not to take her to a hospital, and he takes her in and um, gives her a place to stay for the night. And then the next day he's visited by these very peculiar peculiar men. One's this like um, chubby short guy. The other is this tall, um, very non-talkative guy. Okay. Um, they say that um, they're her brothers and they're looking for, him, uh, for her. Um, and um, he tells them, no, I haven't seen her. And before he knows it, he's swept into this kind of sweeping fantasy adventure where um, the world she comes from is sort of like a purgatory of sorts. It's like okay. underground, but kind of like where the people don't exist in between worlds. And, and it's um, called Neverwhere. Yeah, and um, and he basically gets kind of taken out of his world and into that one. 
and from there it just ensues into this sweeping adventure, um, adventure with, with, with with fantasy mixed with real yes. life just yes. like American Gods exactly. in a way exactly. that is his style oh he, he just... loves portal fantasy I mean it's like I mean, oh that's what up, you call it yeah he okay. grew up on and it's really see fantasy is a fascinating subject to study because there's like, a lot of genres there's a lot of genres and like if you look at I mean J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis are like the you know sort of the like founding fathers and of fantasy as we of it, know yeah, it yeah. and they had very different views on what fantasy should be so like Neil Gaiman takes a much more C.S. Lewis approach because he loves portal fantasy. He loves the idea of like a wardrobe in between worlds and kind of that, and takes it a step further and has them merge yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas C.S. Lewis just had you know you know the kids from Narnia would go uh, would go from the world into Narnia and there was separation there. Um, T.J.R. Tolkien hated that. He was very like his he idea wanted the world fan, to be. This is yes, the world. This is the world. Not this is separate from your world. Exactly. He wanted no connection to the real world, and like, um, and he says over and over again, even though Lord of the Rings has um, definite allegories in it and Christian messages, etc., that you can find from you know the storytelling, the themes in it. He said, "I don't write for themes. I'm writing just to tell a story and for entertainment." And he believed that all fantasy should be you create a world of your own, mm. inhabit it as detailed as possible, no connection to the real world, etc. Interesting. Um, so it's Interesting. a fascinating subject to look at. But um, so back to Neverwhere for a minute. So I like the show a lot. It's I mean it's very low budget. It was made in you know ninety six, and um, and I feel like I knew something about the show from reading the book because in the intro to that he wrote about how. Um, you know, he he read he wrote it as like an it's like a eight episode miniseries. Um, Peter Capaldi's in it. Uh, oh, like, nice. Um, that was the only name I recognized. There's probably there are others in there that look familiar. You might know them more because you watch a lot of British TV. Yeah. Um, I'm but, sure I would recognize a lot. Sure, of them, sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he basically wrote the book afterwards because there was stuff he couldn't it didn't have time to include in the show. Um, but it's I mean. That show, it's fascinating to... I mean, if you, it helps for me, having read the book, being already familiar with the concept and the world and everything. Mm-hmm. But if you're watching that show from with no background in it, you're like, what is this? And, like, it's exactly what you were talking about, about, like, it just goes one thing next. One minute he's in office, the next minute, you know, he's in this girl's world, you know? And, um, yeah, and, and, and there's like, no real way to, like... it. He benefits tremendously, or at least utilizes tremendously, the fact that it's a book. Yeah. Is that he can just say who knows what the yeah. fuck's going on right, it right. just is what it is and you take it for what it is and that's it right uh, it's very interesting yeah. so tell me this when you were first reading the first game and you read what was it was it American Gods let me think it was either American Gods or Sandman I'm trying to think which I read well forget Sandman because it's very different I mean, American Gods all... was the first novel okay yes, so yes. what was it that made you read it and then second question when you were reading it what were you thinking at first that's a good question um, what made me read it just because like, well, I think I had already read Sam at that point, so yeah. I was already interested. You knew he's great, right? And you knew he's great. I mean, tons of friends, obviously, I'd recommend. And, like, it was just one of those gaping holes in my literary reading that I just hadn't got to yet. Yeah. Um, so that was probably primary motivation. As far as what I was thinking, um, I mean, yeah, I was just really fascinated by the world building. Exactly as you described it, you know, the weirdness of it, the um, sort of breaking those narrative conventions and stepping into something that was totally new. Yeah. I love Shadow's character. I love Wednesday. Mm, yeah. I love the merging of the old gods with the new. Um, yeah, that so concept's was, really cool. Right, right. So, I mean, it's like gaming, you kind of re. I mean, there's still definitely like plot elements I'm very really interested in, 
but it's more the feeling of a Neil Gaiman story that yeah. really compels me. That's really interesting because yeah. yeah, that is that is an important distinction. Yeah. Is I don't feel even right now like I can't wait to get back to find out what happens next. Although I do want to know sure, what happens sure, next. Sure. He's at that point where he just got away from the CIA guys, or not CIA, but yeah. like CIA, and he's headed down to Cairo or Cairo. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he just had Sam in his car. That's the thing about it. It's just right. vignette after vignette. Right. I hear about Sam's life, and right. and she's not fantasy at all. At least at this point, she's just half Native American, half white, and talks about her story about her life for five minutes and right. that's it I um, think for if, now anyway if you finish American Gods and you like it I would really recommend Graveyard Book next okay um, instead one, of Neverwhere like, or for one it's shorter Neverwhere yeah. I love too it's just I think Graveyard Book for exactly how you described the things you did yeah. like about it yeah. I think it's the perfect because the, the uh, Graveyard Book the book and the graphic novel both phenomenal um, the graphic novel especially it's got I mean well they do uh, they follow the text really I mean very very closely um it was adapted by um oh gosh what's his name um because he did the american he's writing the american guys graphic novels well um right now yes oh, what's his name starts with p um he's done p craig stuff. russell yes p craig russell i can't so believe i pulled that he, out um so with the graveyard book graphic novels um he wrote the scripts and then he illustrated one of them they did they had a different artist for each issue um, and it's it's in two volumes. Wow! Um, and it is gorgeous across I the board. I can't wait. Um, Kevin Nolan, one of them. Um, Scott Hampton, um, several others. It's just it's gorgeous. It's a really interesting, and it has the vignette aspect, and also just the character. The characters you're going to like, I think, the most are Bod, you know, the main character, and also. Um, sort of his main guardian, the awesome. ghost. It's oh, it's beautiful. Well, I'm super looking forward to it. I will say this in the intro to the book, and it intrigued me when I heard this, but I didn't really understand what it meant until yeah. later. Um, he says um, people either love this book or they don't get it or like it at all. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. There was very little in between. Sure. So when there were reviews, when there were fans talking about it, or, or just readers talking about it. They either really loved it or they didn't care for it at all. Right, right. And that's interesting. I definitely am in the really, really like it category at this point. I'm not at love point yet. Sure. But I have a feeling when it all comes together and, and yeah. co cohe anyway. I think if you're not scared away by the feeling of a Neil Gaiman book right away, then I think you're you in. into it. You're yeah. in. Awesome. Cool. Um, but anyway, so yeah. that's cool. And then also that makes me really excited to then watch the show. Yes. Because very similar to um, The Dark Tower, mm -hmm. it's unfilmable really right. theoretically no you, can make a movie, you so. can't no. but they did uh, show in this case but yeah, yeah. still they made it I'm a little bit perturbed that um, Brian Fuller's off because yeah. he left because of disputes about budget um, and I and I kind of am bummed. I'm like, can't you just like sacrifice a little so you can do it? We wanted your yeah. version, yeah. and I and I don't really know where the first season leaves off. I think they said halfway through the first book. Mm -hmm. I mean, through the book, and so then maybe season two will close it, and that would be fine. And yeah. I just hope that Fuller had enough impact on that second season sure. before he left for it to feel like a cohesive show. Right. Right. Anyway, but I'm still either way though. I'm they're gonna get smart people to make it. Yeah. yeah. I'm just really glad that I've all, I've watched the first like episode and a half of that show, and now to go back now that I really like getting to know these sure. characters is sure. going to be so much more impactful sure um the one thing that's a little weird the last thing i'm going to say about it that's weird is it's almost for a time it's almost like every character is related to the gods and that are around yeah Saturn. they yeah, may have yeah. a reason for that it's a little bit of a complaint that i have is like okay so loki is in jail with him like <laughs> what's up with that and then also everywhere he goes he just runs into gods everywhere now it may be a faded thing or it may be whatever um but the good news is he acknowledges it. Yeah. When Shadow gets in the car with Sam, exactly when I was feeling this, like, wow, is everybody a fucking god that he's going to meet? Like, that's weird. And then he says to her, are you a god too? Or are you a <laughs> real, breathing 
human being. Please tell me that you are. And that's the thing. He and that was to good. Incorporate that kind of satire and humor in his works as well. And also be self aware enough to yes. know, like, at this point, you're probably wondering why everyone's a fucking god. Yes. So here I'm going to give you a not a god, at least ostensibly, and I'm going to call out that fact. So yeah. anyway, like that. Loving the experience of reading it, especially in Audible. So I would say good. to anybody okay. who wants to check this book out, a really good entree is the full cast version. So I'm excited you're in Gaiman's world now. I am. I am. I have. I have crossed over yes. into the portal fantasy yep. of Neil Gaiman. Got it. Um. Cool. So, uh, what do you got for us? What, what else have you been checking out? Let's see. Well, do we want to do Westworld now? Yeah, or? let's do it last. All right, cool. Last, okay. Uh, let's see. I'll do some of the stuff I'm reading. Um, so, still really enjoying Matt Ken's Exo Manowar run. Nice. Um, but, you know, I've talked about before how it differs from the Robert Venditti. Right? So, the Robert Venditti, he's very much a dutiful, honorable mm-hmm. um, family man, protector of Earth. Etc. That's what draws you to that series a lot. Right. Um, in the Matt Kent run, it takes place years later. It's a very the character is very different. He's much more grizzled. Um, it's sort of like a Logan type story. Um, it's almost like Matt Kent can't tell, like just a traditional version. It's, it's got to be like, special. It's got oh, it's it's definitely other end. I mean, it's basically the story up until this point has been about. Eric's ascension to the throne of inter- intergalactic empire. Um, you know, he's the, and um, he's been on this same planet since the beginning of the run called Goran. And what I really like about it is he does a really of the can't run or the whole thing. They can't run. Okay. Um, Earth is the main home of the Vendetti one. I mean, he goes to other planets as well, but it's. I mean, he's good, repeatedly goes back to Earth. I mean, so that's what, but this one. There's no, I mean, he, they call him Eric of Earth in this one instead of Eric of Dacia. Um, and so, um, but he's pretty much left his whole life behind. He's trying to start a new one um, with an alien woman there, but um, of course is repeatedly drawn back into war and goes from farmer to soldier to general to now emperor. And so now that he had, um, I just finished volume three last night. Um, and so now that. Um, he is at the height of this inter- extraterrestrial empire. He's now having to make tough decisions and try to call back some of his old life when he grew up, you know, um, as a Visigoth and try to reconnect with that spirit because um, now, you know, he's made a lot of enemies abroad. There's a bounty hunter after him, all these things. Um, but it just does a really good job building the world, like I said. So staying on the same planet for. Um, it's been like I've read you know 10 issues or something like that um, it's done a really good job developing um, all the creatures that inhabit it the look of it it's very Mad Max Logan-esque um, has that apocalyptic feel to it um, but it's just a really I mean he Matt Kent can do a lot with like little to no text he can go several pages where it's just insane battle sequences and it doesn't feel boring because um, he well does, choreographed and all that. Well choreographed, and he just adds so much unspoken, you know, uh, layers to the text. And um, you mean when they're like, like a meaningful gaze, that kind of thing? Yes, a gaze. Um, just like his composure. Like I said, it's so different from because you've read some of the Vendetti, have, so yeah. like you know how there he's so dutiful, honorable, family man. Um, you know, and here he's much more like puts all that light behind he's just trying to lay low whereas in that in the vanity one he's willing to do anything to protect his people do all these things here he's just trying to basically do what he needs to to get out of um and but ultimately he can't give up his life as a soldier 
because um, that's just what he's born to do. So I understand that you love the Venditti run passionately, and then I understand you're liking this one as well. Yeah. And that you haven't gotten nearly as far in this because not as much exists yet. Well, yeah. That, that yeah. said, do you like Venditti run better? I do still like. I mean, because uh-huh. like that yeah, take. I mean, I just I do like that take a lot. I mean, I would say that from what I know about, I mean, because I have I would like to eventually get a hold of some of the original EXO stories just to compare them and see what it's like. Um, but from what I know is when he um, originally appeared in the original Valiant Comics that he was much more like the version now, very Conan Barbarian esque. Um, which you get the Conan in space aspect as well in the Divinity, but again, it feels even more human and more like. Um, you know, he's trying to reclaim his homeland. and um, I love the Venditti vibe. Yes. I love oh, yeah. it. Like I always say, I always compare him to Mark Wade, and that's yeah. a book that I feel is a lot like yeah, that. It it's just a really good, like, wholesome story. It's a wholesome it's, story. It's violent, it's just, but it's wholesome. It is, and it's just like, you just, he's so empathetic in that, and you want, you root for him the whole time. Not that you don't hear, but again, it's a different, like, he has different motivations, a different attitude. You root for him, but you're a little scared of him. Yeah. Whereas in the other one, you root for him wholeheartedly. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of like the difference between Breaking Bad and or The Sopranos and like, I don't know, something where the guy's a good guy wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even looking at a couple of the Mad Max movies, like you look at some, like the first Mad Max movie where he talks a lot and you get to actually know more as a character and then you look at Fury Road where you, and uh, you have to that Mad Max and that you have to um, you hope get you, to know him yeah. through totally looks and gazes physical and, yeah. gazes um, expressions like that and hope he doesn't jump out of the screen and kill you right. Right. <laughs> no that's different that's definitely different so okay yeah. cool but cool. Um, I mean it's wildly entertaining the art has been phenomenal from the first issue um, he's had different artists rotating on it um, but um, Clayton Crane I believe is one of the main ones I don't know. They're not like as like big names as like I um, know them by heart, but it's been phenomenal. So definitely recommend that series. Cool. Um, well, I I have a couple little ones. Um, so one thing I checked out: Showtime has this new show on with Benedict Cumberbatch. Okay. It's I believe a co-production with the BBC. Both of these next two I'm going to talk about are, and it's called Patrick Melrose, and it's based on the novels, the Melrose novels by um, Edward Saint Aubin, um, and. It's about, like, this guy who's just a dysfunctional adult, like, who had a father who was, I think, physically and mentally abusive, and now Patrick Melrose is, like, a heroin addict trying to cope with life, but he's also, like, aristocratic, and they're supposedly really great novels, so I wanted to check out the show because it was recommended to me. And then I started watching it, and I couldn't get through three minutes. It was, hey, your father has died. And then, like, he reaches for his heroin needle and starts shooting up. And I was like, stop. Yeah, That was it. Yeah. Uh, I don't need that in my life. I'm totally down with watching hardcore shit. It was going to be uncompromisingly bleak, and I just don't need that in my life. No. Uh, And I'm totally down with it. I'm not one of those people who's like, entertainment has to be happy. Right, right, right. No. But, but I don't want, need that. You want nuance, too. I don't need that. Like, you know, I'm sure yeah. it has it, but it's just, I don't need that. I don't yeah. like that story. I don't want to watch that sure. story. I've known people with drug problems. I don't need sure. to see it. Anyway. All right. Sure. So that just made, that, that one I just like wrote off immediately. Right. Next up, though, is one that's far more successful. So, as you may know, I'm a big fan. This of, is on Showtime, too? Okay. No, this okay. one's on Stars. Sorry, Stars has really made a name for itself. Yeah. It has that really good show with... Um, Who's the dude in Whiplash? The the the, the guy. Um. Oh, what's his name? The teacher. 
Oh, uh, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So he is in a new show called, like, Conversion or, or Crossing or something like that. I think I've heard of it. Yeah, which yeah. is, like, this isn't what I'm talking about, but this sure. it is a show, and it's supposedly really good about he meets his doppelganger in an alternate reality, and they're both CIA agents with different motivations, mm-hmm. and they're, like, battling it out. It sounds really good. So that's yeah. stars. But this one I'm talking about is called Howard's End, and it's by Kenneth Lonergan. So if you know, he did Manchester by the Sea, which I loved. And he now, his new project is to do Howard's End, which is a novel um, by E.M. Forster that was released in 1910. But the, the version he's doing... It's, a, it's definitely like a Victorian, it's a four-parter, 45 minutes each part, or 50 minutes, like a four-hour, mm. you know, three-and-a-half-hour thing. And it is, it's kind of like what you'd see on, like, Masterpiece Theater, but, like, really well done. It's a co-production with the BBC, and it stars Haley Atwell huh. as the main daughter. Interesting. And She's the great. first episode that I've seen, I've only seen one of the four, was just so good. Okay. If you want to see, like, a really good, it's definitely not, like, murder mystery British stuff, it's definitely in the category of, like, Victorian literature. Drama, yeah. Drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's all about the main character, um, her name is Schlegel, and she has a, uh, a sister who's a little sillier than she is, but the two of them are, you know, they're 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 optimistic, but they're very much, like, feminists, but not in a shitty way. You know, at the mouth, somebody could really get on me about that, but you know what I mean. It's, it's not, they're not trying to go out there and be a pain in the ass. They're trying to just stand up for what should be the case. Sure. You know what I mean? But they also have a sense of humor about it when people are ridiculously... Um, you know, uh, sexist and horrible, and that, but they they take it with a grain of salt, but then move forward, and they they're just a really they're spunky, you know, they're okay. a spunky yeah. pair, and they're really intelligent and cool, and the whole thing is about you know the feminist movement and social manners and relationships and you know money and you know inheritance, all the same issues that Victorian literature is always about, except adding in the feminist piece. Um, but so far, it's just fun. It's okay. just enjoyable and fun. So I've been really enjoying Howard's End. Only one part into it. I'll, I'll comment more when I finish. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other things that were... Um, I didn't get to try out Safe yet. It's this new Harlan Coben-inspired uh, like eight-parter, much in the line, along the lines of Broadchurch, where like this girl is in this gated community with her father. She's a single father, and she goes missing, and then an investigation is, ensues. Like another thing that hit Netflix that looks good. Anyways, there's a lot of good content out there for fans of British TV and also British mystery and also period pieces. Um, Howard's End is really excellent, though, and I'm gonna get to safe soon. But aside from Westworld, those are my uh, okay. my my little side notes. Cool. You got anything else you want to get in before we hit Westworld up? Just a couple comics. Um... So, still on a Donny Cates binge, of course. Oh, man. Um, The first issue of his Venom run came out two weeks ago. Okay. Fantastic. It's uh, um, (laughs) a... You sure it doesn't suck? You sure? Uh, Dude. (laughs) You sure it isn't shitty? Him and Ryan Stegman um, are doing this one, Mm -hmm. and... um, But, yeah, it's just... it's uh, So, it is Eddie Brock Venom, basically... uh, He's been detached from the suit for a while, Mm -hmm. but... um, where they reveal new origins about the symbiote that it had other human inhabitants and that there's the this ex-military personnel um confronts eddie in the first issue right and basically recruits him to try to um help him discover the true origins of the symbiote um but yeah i'm reading i, I want to read a bunch of venom before the movie comes out and the um even though the movie will like be very different um but i'm reading that and then also like the original Venom stories, because um, I got a Jay Paperback collection of uh, called Birth of Venom. That you sound chronicles. pretty psyched about some Venom. I, I, I like the idea of it, like just because 
it's like I mean I'm it's gonna be hit or miss I think but um I I've wanted to get more into the character for a while because like I have a friend at the comic shop who's a huge Venom fan and so like okay. um and you know I mean of course I always like the character from the cartoon and stuff um but yeah the, but the uh, this book I have has like uh the first story where Peter Parker picks up the symbiote in the original Secret Wars and then he's with the symbiote for a while and then Eddie Brock comes in later um but yeah I did want to read some before especially with the new um run out so but that at first issue is fantastic and then I read Redneck Volume 2 this week too oh wow um, so that was Volume one. 2 is out huh yes um, how is it compared to 1 I liked 1 a little better it had a little more of a mystery element to it um but I mean the family element and the drive is still there but um, basically they the character who's kind of the villain of the first one don't tell me but yeah. Double, yeah like plays a bigger role in the second arc um, but it's really good I think you would enjoy it I love going to yeah. I have the first yeah. one ready yeah yeah cool um, and then quick I saw too actually so because so, uh, Jacob and I were hanging out last week and like we had some time after so we went to the $2 theater and we saw the Tomb Raider movie because oh yeah but yeah um, it was fun I mean like like I Came in the only. I mean, he. I would say played the game and everything. He's much more gamer and everything. Um, but it was fun enough. It was. I mean, it was Alicia Vikander made for a really good Laura Croft. Um, I liked Walter Coggins in it as the villain. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't. I mean, great or anything, but like if for compared to a lot of other video game movies, I mean, it was definitely much more entertaining. Um, a little slow at first, but once I get to the island and all that, it was it was fun enough. Neat. So yeah. Neat. So you enjoyed it. Yeah. Cool. It's one to watch for you know when it comes to Netflix stuff like that. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Well speaking about a landmass that may end up being an island, let's talk <laughs> about Westworld. Um, nice transition there. So when the season started, if you remember back, I was not too enthused. Um, I saw Dolores running around cutting a bloody swath through the whole area. Um, blowing people away with Teddy sort of looking on in horror. Uh-huh. Um, also, they were doing a split narrative again where, like, a couple, you know, not as much of a time jump, but a time jump yeah. where um, there's um, Bernard at one point and then Bernard at another point as sort of our entry as the audience into the action. And you see him in two different scenarios and it, it gives you that kind of confused vibe. By the end, we saw that all the hosts are strewn in a lake and we expect that that's coming as a result of all the action that we're seeing. And that was kind of what we saw. There was a little tease at the end that made it look like a lot more cool stuff was happening where we were going to find out what the true nature of Westworld is. And, um, you know, secrets would be revealed about what was going on even in the first season that we didn't know. Um, and then um, that was it for that episode. So I was intrigued about the future, but very worried that it was going to be the bloody mm-hmm. massacre of a season that I was worried it would be based on that first episode. And I am so, and also my worry just because I know that there was a rebel, bloody rebellion at the end of season one, and that was a very contemplative, not that violent season. I mean, there was violent interludes, right. but the whole season's thrust was not action and violence. Sure. It was very controlled, and this one's not controlled. So anyway. Starting with episode two and up until four, I haven't seen five yet. I know you have. I love it again. Yeah. I think it was by episode somewhere through two or three. I was I, I, I turned to who I was watching with and I was like, I love this show again. This show is back. Uh it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, that's all I can really say is it's great. And I'll have more to add. But how about you? Are you digging it? Yeah. I mean, especially episode four. Well, four and five were the most interesting. Four had the most reveals, not just of this season, but yeah. probably of all. I mean, we get the idea that um, 
what what's his name? Delos is like basically on a search for immortality. Right. We get much deeper um, into the Man in Black's backstory. Yep. All the years in between being the William we know and then the Man in Black, which they make um, a little bit of a quick jump into that, right, which I don't do. love. I, I wish but, I wish like so so at the end of season one we see that he's like been in love with Dolores and whatever happens happens there, yeah. and then all of a sudden like at the be- as soon as we see him again, which I love that we're seeing him again because he's a great yeah. character, but he's immediately cold as shit. Yeah. yeah and I wish yeah. there was a little more of it. We could see how that iciness ensued. Sure, sure. Um, sure. They don't choose to show that. Maybe they will later, but sure. he just gets cold fast. And I understand they want to do that because a screen time's at a premium and also um we know that's what's going to happen so i don't know i just think the process should have been more gradual right but anyway and then also the real that we met this woman um the episode before that in the raj um, in the raj park right and we don't know who she is or anything she turns out to be his daughter Um, right and so that turned out to be really fascinating as well um and then also there's it's pretty implied that ford is coming back in some way there's a theory going around that basically before he died, he projected his subconscious into other hosts. So like he's living mm-hmm. in the form. I mean, of that, I, so, yeah, I don't think yeah. you even need a theory. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, yeah, clearly what's true. happening. Yeah, that little yeah. boy is him. Right. Uh, that girl becomes him. Right. Right. I mean, that's it, which is a fascinating idea. I just I really like it is a cool idea. Yeah, to yeah. me, though, the most interesting concept, and I hope they make it more complex and interesting uh, as it goes on. But the thrust, the narrative thrust for me, that's fascinating, and the way they've got the mystery back is this concept of what Westworld's true nature is. Yeah. And yeah. the true nature of it is is not to be a park where guests come and spend money to do whatever they want, but providing this environment where guests can do whatever they want and then studying the guests. Mm-hmm. Maybe for the purposes of immortality is one possible outcome yeah, yeah. to just study DNA and humans, but also to understand humanity better and use that against them in a commercial way. Yeah. We don't know how that's going to be weaponized or utilized, also, this season shows us the outside world. We see Dolores going on visits to the real world. We see her going on visits to this place that that all of which you know she's taken to by the man in black as a young man. What's his name again? I just William. Yeah, William mm-hmm. as a younger man takes her, and then Bernard takes her to different places, yep. and and it's just she's seen a lot. She's the oldest um, host, yeah. And now we understand why she knows so much and is so wise. Once Anthony Hopkins. Ford unlocks her and she can utilize all of that data. Now she's just got immense data because everyone thought she was just she could take it in and then it would just be gone. Mm-hmm. And they didn't realize she was amassing all this knowledge. So she's immensely intelligent, very powerful, very intriguing, and has just all this wonder to her, which is very great. So they brought Dolores back finally. I was really worried she was just going to be bloodthirsty and shitty. But she's back into being a really interesting character. The idea of, like, Teddy... We're throwing a lot at here, but we... I mean, we got three three to four yeah, episodes yeah. of content. The idea of Teddy not being able to do the bad things Dolores needs him to do. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that paid off yet, or I haven't yet, because I haven't seen the fifth episode. But, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, yeah. And also this idea of a video game that Ford is putting the man in black through is also intriguing. At first, when I heard the little boy say, you're in a game, you're playing a game, I was like, fuck, that was the whole first season, this maze. (laughs) Now he's in a game? It's just another (laughs) word for a maze. But it turns out that it, it really is like that. Like, he gets in these scenarios, and he has to, like, in a video game, size it up. So there's this one place where he ends up with, um, what's his dude's name, the dude who rides with the man in black? I always forget his name. Um, oh gosh, with Delos or no, no, no the guy that the old man in black. He rides with the dude on the horse. Oh, oh, um, Wyatt. 
No, why it's Dolores? No, it's it's fine if you don't know. But that dude, that he's yeah, I know Hispanic guy. You know, I'm talking. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I got blank on. And you meet his family, but yeah, that dude. Yes, but he um he's he's in this scenario where that guy's being tortured out back, and like his wife is in there with him with with the man in black, and he's like she's like you got to do something, please help him, and he's like eyeing up the place and looking for he's like it's like a strategy game where you pick a couple moves and then you execute yeah, and then like he just like decides to kick it in, throws something to distract, and then pop 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 pop, and just shows like how much of a game it has become and it's like Ford has programmed this game so A we may have Ford's consciousness doing this interactively yeah. or it could have just been all stuff that he programmed beforehand or a mix of the two where he's not really there in a cognizant way however he has put in AI parameters where when things come up his intelligence can be utilized to uh-huh. ma- you know there's a lot of ways they can go with it the drone um, hosts are interesting. I, I, they look a little weird to me. I, I don't find them as good a special effect as some people do, but they're interesting. They're, you know, those, those I like the, yeah, hosts. I know. I, I like the style of them. It does. It does kind of take me out of it a little bit. Something I don't know about. Something about, about it. it's not quite yeah, right. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It's like not quite right. I like it, right. but I don't love it. Right. And then right. Tessa Thompson's character is interesting. Bernard is fascinating. Uh-huh. The idea of. Um, Dolores's father, yeah. um, Abernathy, Thomas Abernathy, I think it is. Peter. Peter, thank yeah, yeah. you. Mm-hmm. All of those things are just interesting. Yeah. And I'm just I'm just loving that show again. Yeah. I'm just so happy to be loving it. And now, you know, we're introduced to a lot of different parts. So we saw the Raj, um, which is like this um, uh, British-occupied India mm-hmm. in a certain era. And mm-hmm. that's where, um, for, uh, there's so many characters, um, Man in Black, William's daughter yeah. is hanging out. Um, and then she sort of escapes and then meets up with, with the man in black later on. Um, and then um, we also see now Shogun World. Now, I, I've only watched the very beginning of that episode. Mm-hmm. I didn't get through it yet. Um, however, it's really cool. It, it's, very bloody, I mean, but very cool. It's very blo- yeah, I mean, you may not like it as much as because it really doesn't... That episode doesn't have a lot of reels. Its main purpose is to show the parallels between Shogun and Westworld. And mm-hmm. so, like... You see, you, you remember the robbery scene from season one? Yeah, right? yeah. So that scene is basically recreated, like um, shot for shot in Shogun in a different oh. way. And so, like, and because the know, writer, remember what he says in that mm-hmm, scene? He yeah. says, "I can't write new scenarios yes. for nine hundred different yep, posts." Yep. So, so there's duplication. Repeat, yes. Um, which to me was fascinating. Yeah. Some people were like, "Oh, this is kind of boring to watch." And so I'm like, "Oh, I thought it was cool." Because no, that's IGN, awesome. IGN did a side by side comparison too of those two scenes. Oh, I gotta but, watch it. Um, but yeah, but that was the thing with the Shogun episode. I just loved the look and feel of it. It just, I mean, um, it was just cool. It was to see. It was cool to see the character. Like um, the main character in that is a parallel to Maeve, you know. And so like um, you get to see all that play out. Um, Maeve's great. I thought too. it was just fascinating. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it admittedly definitely has. Much less reveals than the previous episode. Well, that uh, there episode. was even well, there was an IGN review that said that they're like it kind of seems like the odd numbered episodes of the season are the more violent, crazy ones that don't have as many reveals, and that the even numbered ones do. Um, which I didn't even think about that. But, I mean, we have two examples um, yeah, of no, so far. It's not exactly well. It's like three, but one, three, and five are kind of like but, that's and then, true. And then two and four are very. I mean, are the heaviest like. Lore episodes, yeah, yeah. Well, I love the Delos thing and what they put him through and then the ultimate decision to shut it down. I just thought that was just interesting. Watching how he almost gets recreated, but not quite. Right. So they can't quite do it yet, and and that leaves ability for that to progress. Right. It's just, it's so interesting. The whole thing is just fascinating to me. Now, 
if that's all that's revealed that the whole purpose is just to study humans and then like use it against them in advertising or, mm-hmm. or whatever that's that's as much as I, I like it, more I need I it to be know. more than that. Yeah, yeah. but it's I hope no it will be. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I, They're yeah. so smart. Yeah. They're so smart. So, anyway, but, I'm pumped. Yeah, I'm still enjoying it. And there, even though the Shogun episode is mainly about that, there is a big scene with Teddy and um, Dolores at the end. So nice. Interesting to hear your thoughts nice. on that. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to check sure. in as the season progresses, but man, that is a lot of fun. Cool. Um, Speaking of fun, <laughs> let's talk about Solo, okay. a Star Wars story. Okay. Um, so, this movie uh, had all kinds of problems in production. They cast Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. It was a controversial decision. Some people thought it wasn't a good call. Some people thought it was a great call. Once the footage started coming out, a lot of us, myself very much included, were very trepidatious. I saw him and I was like, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. He doesn't look right. He doesn't sound right. Yeah. And... You know, a lot of people saw um, Baby Driver and, and thought Anzalagort would have been so perfect. I uh, still think that. I, but, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, he may have but. been so perfect, but this guy did a phenomenal job. I thought. Oh, okay. you didn't, huh? Okay. okay. Um, so I thought he did a phenomenal job in the role. Now, um, but anyway, there's a lot of trepidation going in. There's that. The um, directors, Lord and Miller, um, wanted to make it much more of a comedy. They wanted it to be um, improvised. They wanted it to be not as much by the script. They were shooting all kinds of shots that weren't in the script and they weren't getting the footage they needed. They're very much more of an abstract workers. And so the set became a wreck. Um, And then they brought in Ron Howard. Apparently his entrance was greeted by a standing ovation from the cast and crew. So apparently there was a lot of turmoil on their set. We also heard that Alden Ehrenreich had um, acting lessons on set. Now, since then, we've heard that they do that a lot to tune up actors on a lot of different things. That's the only thing about movies today is like a lot of these things like reshoots, acting coach, anything, anything, those are all very common like practice. It's just they weren't as publicized for a lot. Now with social media and the age we live in, every aspect of a movie's production is widely discussed on Twitter and all that stuff. So it is inevitably blown out of proportion. But yes, those were all things that happened. So anyway, um, the all that stuff went down. Um, the movie had been getting sort of a lukewarm anticipation. This is the first one. Rogue One is Rogue One. Rogue One is a side story. It's the first side story. But really, in building this universe, this is the first one. This is the first one that is trying to develop and create a, an extended universe for Star Wars. Now, granted, they have their movies and they're continuing on with, you know, episode eight and then nine, but as far as an expanded universe with, with stories that are all going to connect and have cliffhangers and shit, this, to me, was the origin of that. And it's very hard to watch lots of parts of it for that reason. Um, for me, especially at the beginning of this movie, I was really not having a good time. Watching Solo, Han Solo's, this is a good way to jump in, watching Han Solo's introduction, watching his backstory, I, I, I felt the whole time like I wish I wasn't seeing this. I don't want this magnificent character that's been created in my mind and his story of his upbringing to be so mundane, to just be, oh, he's this in this slave colony um, running these, these things and trying to use his wit... And, like, he's got a girl who's, like, the love of his life. Like, the Han Solo we meet later didn't have a love of his life childhood girl. I just don't see that. Mm. And then 
you know, them escaping, but him not quite getting her out, and then him joining the Empire, learning to fly, and then bouncing out of there. I feel like he would have been smarter than to do that. And then also, the meeting of Chewie was just so... I didn't want to see that. I, I, I just... I almost feel like I wish they glommed over his childhood more than they did. And this is just what we're going to get. You know, with Expanded Universe and Star Wars, this is what we're going to get. This is the shit you get in Marvel. Yeah. It's just that when it's Star Wars... It's hard to accept. It's hard to accept that I'm going to know all the ins and outs of everybody's backstory. And then I'm going to, and there's no more like, oh, he was just a, you know, I won this in a card game. No, now we have to see that card game, you know? <laughs> and it, it's just, I won this ship in a card game and I finished the Kessel Run. That was cool, actually. They, they did the Kessel Run really well. But, but just, I think overall, the hardest thing for me with this movie was its very nature and existence necessitates and their building of this thing necessitates scenes I wish I wasn't seeing in a way. Yeah. I don't know. How about you? What are your thoughts? I mean, it's no secret that this was my least anticipated uh, anthology movie. Uh, for all the production fiascos aside, I just, like, pretty much for those reasons you said, like, I don't really care enough about the, like, because I'm like, when they announce a Han Solo movie, I'm like, Yep, we're gonna see the first meeting behind Chewie. We're gonna see the is getting the blaster. We're gonna see the castle run. We're gonna see the card game. Like it's just gonna be as you know, p- moving the plot from point A to point B. No surprises. Just like as borderline, you know, base as it could be, and it was. You know, I mean, like, I mean, it's still entertaining enough, but because um, at least with Rogue One, they did try, you know, new characters. I still, th- I mean. My whole thing with since I like they this built movie the way more universe, than Rogue One, but yeah. Well, you what? I like this movie way more than Rogue One. Okay, I like Rogue One a little better, but like, uh, um, but that pains um, me to hear, man. It's, well, it's I mean that pains me. I, my th- well, I don't like love either, but like it. Um, my whole thing about the anthology films that since the beginning and like since they've set up like these, they still haven't been taking enough risks. Like, uh, like I want to see totally new characters, totally new storylines. So far, and even that, and I know I just said I was like super excited about a new Obi Wan and a Boba Fett movie, but at the same time, it's like it, they're staying so close to the original trilogy and to all the familiar beats we know and love, and not really branching out enough. That's true. And I mean, even with Rogue One, yes, all new characters, but everything about that movie is building up to the very beginning of a New Hope. Like, I mean, you're. A, Go like, hey, let's make a movie about how the rebels get the plants of the Death Star. I'm like, really? Let's make a movie about a young Han Solo and like well, see, cover to all me, the beats. To me, of a young Han Solo movie is a phenomenal idea. I understand that a lot of people don't agree with that, and yourself potentially included. But young Han Solo, if you're going to do an expanded universe, you could not come up with a better idea for how to do. If you're going to take a character and uh-huh. do an origin story, or do not even an origin story, but just a solo film, yeah. Han Solo is the perfect choice because he's a phenomenally good character and he obviously had a colorful history and he's obviously interesting. You gotta pick somebody who's interesting. Boba Fett's gonna be an interesting job and it's good they got mangled because making him into a fully fleshed out interesting character is gonna be a a trick. Yeah, They're gonna have to take risks with that one to make it something and whether they work or not it's gonna very much change how you ever view Boba Fett. Good or bad, it's gonna do that. Right, right. This one... I, I feel like you're absolutely right about the sticking too true um, to the to the formula. Because I had that, I was getting so bored by that really game. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can predict every scene here. Well, like, that I'm isn't like, the problem that I <laughs> had. The yeah. problem that I had was later when once again, 
um, one character's on the light side and the other one, even though they want to be on the light right, side, are right. pulled to the dark right, side. Right, right. And they have to make a decision out of love that sends them to the dark side to eventually lead to Solo 2 or Kira's movie Solo and, and this conflict that just doesn't need to fucking happen mm. and i just i don't think han solo needs to be at odds with kira or lose kira or any of that shit but if you look back at star wars that's the way it goes one character goes dark one character goes light and that's just always and it's always like that it seems like they're going to stick to that so truly so when mm. you say it's very formulaic as to the way they do star wars movies and both of those movies have been that way now granted rogue one did have a you know punch of an ending you know that was that was yeah. different but they kind of have to kill, and that's somebody was who I saw this with Tim. He was saying to me, "They have to kill these people off because they don't exist later." Right, right. And that really sucks too. Yeah, you yeah. know, it, it really sucks. And I wish, I wish it didn't have to be that way. Um, it's almost like they killed off all of the expanded universe stuff when they started this new stuff up, mm. but they can't kill off a New Hope in those three movies, and yeah, they can't. Yeah. And all of those things make huge stands and make huge stabs. Like, like for example, Tim was saying that. You know, it's really fucked up. His big problem with Jedi, he's not on the show, so we didn't get to hear this, but his big problem with Jedi, and I'm sure you'll relate to this, um, was there's supposed to be no more Sith ever. Uh And yet, here's Snoke, and he's clearly a Sith. He may not be called a Sith, but he's clearly a Sith. Here he is, and they just have a little line that's like, there was too much balance in the world. So there had to be Sith again, or, or something like that. I forget what the throwaway line was. But they, yeah, he they, was pissed about that because he's like, you can't just do say something that fundamentally changes our entire understanding of the concept of Sith in a little throwaway line. Yeah, yeah. but unfortunately, that 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 was the message of those movies, mm-hmm. and it has to be covered. So this expanded universe, when it comes to Star Wars, is trickier than a first imagined. Well, and even like uh, you know when they first started, they said um, you know. The only things that are canon are the movies and then Clone Wars Rebels mm-hmm. um, and yeah. then everything produced after. But even then, they've still preserved... Like, for instance, there's a Darth Maul comic um, that I have behind me, Son of Darth Vader, and um, that was made before Disney bought Marvel, and that's been canonized still. So, like, they're still, like... Even though they said they, you know, got rid of all the old... EU stuff and started a new canon. There are still tidbits of stuff they're pulling in from the original, and like, and uh, which is fine. But it's like it's a task I could not imagine, like being Kathleen Kennedy or being the Lucasfilm story group trying to decide what is canon, what isn't, bringing everything forward. Um, but the only problem with because the freedom the old extended universe had is that they weren't as concerned about all that. Mm-hmm. So like, you it could just have, had to be a good enough story. Just had to be a good enough story, and like. Because of that, writers were kind of free to do whatever they wanted with Star Wars novels, and that's how you got great things like Shadow of the Empire and the Thrawn trilogy, etc. Now, you know, I mean, Disney's owned it for a few years now, and, like, you look at all the comics, um, and, like, they're all really fun, but, like, um, the Vader one by Karen Gillan was fantastic. But aside from ones like that, you get a lot of these five-issue miniseries that are, like, just beat for beat fun adventure stories about a um original franchise character like they've done lando they've done han leia chewbacca etc they're all really fun but they're like the same formula over and over and over again and that feeling didn't exist as much in the old extended universe because you had stories all over the place you had ones that were i felt more imaginative more challenging but that isn't but that isn't this that's i mean that can't be this and so so they're making an expanded universe and on its face that kind of sucks but 
that said, you know, you have a solo film. Yeah. Um, he has his whole intro session, and then he goes on this first um, mission, this yeah. first smuggling mission, um, or, or I don't know what you. Well, he's in the he's an imperial soldier at first, so like um, he go he's first on the battlefield. That's no, when oh, I'm talking about after that. I'm saying we just let's just skip, skip by that, that stuff yeah. and talk he, about him with Beckett. And, 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 yeah, and they're on their first mission, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that mission is. That was a cool scene. It was cool, although it was annoying watching him drop that shit. Now, I granted it had to happen for Mm -hmm. the purposes, but so many sacrifices were made on that mission. Two people died, including Beckett's wife, so that they could make that getaway. And then, oh, I think we're going to maybe hit this. Let's drop it. Like, holy shit, don't drop it. Like, do something else. I mean, that that frustrated me. I get that that had to happen, but um, also... Beckett's characterization is a little bit tricky for me. So, because I mean, we could go through the whole plot, but I think it's better to just talk about certain yeah, yeah, parts yeah, yeah, for yeah, this yeah. movie. Because sure, sure. the plot is the plot. Yeah. Um, with Beckett's characterization, at first he's like, I can't let you come with me. Because if you come with me, you're in this life for good. Right, right. That was very heartfelt and caring for a guy that's later going to be who he ends up being. Right, right. And I don't and really get that characterization. That. Yeah. I, I, it's like I, I get like the whole movie. I was like, I feel okay. like almost he was like trying to. Try, he really did want to take him on as his apprentice, and like he was testing to see if he could become like him and like be true and a okay. true smuggler and kind of like really be willing to double cross and not trust anyone, etc. So. I don't know. I get, it. but yeah, yeah but there that was a lot such of, a yeah, that was such a a, a kind a mentor weird... role, and so like for example yeah. in that last scene, which I actually liked a lot, but when when Beckett comes in and does his double cross, triple cross thing, I was thinking this is probably part of the plan, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I never knew who was in, and I guess that's interesting. That makes it interesting. I never knew where the lines were, who was with who, and when. So that was good. I actually really liked the last third of this movie a lot, but. That I was wondering, I was like, is, is is he in on this plan? Because everything he's done so far has made it seem like, yes, he'll betray people when he has to, but Han's his boy, his apprentice, his yeah. they're 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 smart enough where they don't have to betray each other, where they can it can be them and they can betray everyone else. And then when he tells them about this plan, like I just think it was very hard to know like where Thomas Beckett's loyalties lied, if he had any, and what was the point of any of it. Yeah. And again, that's when Tim, who I saw it with, made that comment to me. He's like, "Well, they had he had to die, so yeah. that's why that happened. Right. Is that so that there was a reason for Han to kill him? Right, because otherwise, right. he'd still be around, and he can't be because yeah. Han's got to go and be Han exactly. solo. Exactly. Um, also, oh, I'll give you a great example of what annoyed the shit out of me: the blaster and the naming. <laughs> the blaster the naming is, was worse than the yeah. The blaster, I can. There wasn't really like a super line dropped or anything. It was just like Beckett made it and handed it to him. Like so, what? Why, but, but why? It's like, he's going to hand him the worst crap because that's the point. He's a brand new dude who he barely wants even on this job. Yeah. He gives him some piece of shit gun. Yeah, and that's his blaster. Fuck that. Another example: the solo name. Oh, Holy yeah, shit! That, that can't be real. A, that yeah, can't be real. Are they serious that that? So that numbnuts behind the counter named Han Solo? And he named on. him. Lawrence Caston wrote that. Come on, like that. He yeah, named I know, him. I know. I know. 
That I had huge problems with. Name yourself! Yes. He's a take charge! Name yourself! They didn't need to even say hello until the very end. Like, like, uh, like, you know, it just kind of either, like, through implied or whatever. But, like, oh, I hated that so much. I mean, that was a a terrible decision. I can't believe that they made some imperial numbnuts bureaucrat name Han Solo. Well, you don't have a family. Oh, how about, oh, you're on your own. Oh, Solo. And and then how about this? Most people go to the artillery. Well, I want to fly. All right, stamp. Yeah. You're going to the fly boys. Oh, what are you talking about? He even get to decide he wants to be a pilot and just go. I mean, there's so many These things were like my that. Exact like. I mean, like. I'm gonna. Say, I mean, overall, I, I mean, I, I, it was fine. Like it wasn't. But like, you don't sound like it was fine. You I mean, sound like you know. don't like his performance. You sound like you don't like any of the origin story, and you sound like you don't really like any of it. That's what it sounds like. Where's the part you liked? Over there, okay. you're not even smiling talking I like about the, it. I like the supporting characters way more than Han in this, so, like, I don't know. Like, Where's I, the problem with more, Han? I don't get it. I don't, like, hate it. I just thought, I mean... Where's the problem? Okay. He's charming. I, he's nice. He's cool. He would... Tr- I thought he tried a little too hard to be charismatic, and, like, he seemed... To me, he felt more like the kind of nice guy than the Han. I know, like, the kind uh, of, like... okay. Yeah, like, I just okay. didn't... I really didn't get him as the, like... I don't care, like, I'm in for, like, he seemed way too, because... That's the script. Yeah, I know. That is not, this group, this movie is not about Han Solo as we know him later, the guy who wants to just cut and run. Right. This, that is the biggest problem I'd say I fundamentally had with this, is this, I didn't think that, um, what is her name, Amelia Clark, is it? Yeah, Kieran. I didn't think she was going to be the character she was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. whole time I was in miserable pain about yeah. her. I did not want in a happy-go-lucky fun movie about Han Solo doing a smuggling run for him to be... And I'm, I'm, I'm of two minds about this because while I hated it on, on the face of it, it did make me care tremendously. So that was the other part. Right, right. So it, right. it was like, I understand why they did it, but I also didn't like it at any point. So it needed to be more deftly done. But but for, for me... I saw her at the very beginning and I was like, wow, she's just his childhood nobody from Corellia? Holy shit. And then, like, she gets left there. I was like, okay, cool. And then when they, he meets her again, I was surprised. It was a good, it was a good twist because I don't read a lot about it. I didn't know that she was sure. going to be whatever she was. So, and then you see her wrist and I was, it hurt me like my heart. I was like, oh my God, she's somebody's property yeah, now. Yeah, Holy yeah, fuck. Yeah. His love of his life. And by the way, Amelia Clark is now from this movie um, and Game of Thrones in the category um, with. Um, uh, what's the girl from the Notebook um, and um, uh, Doctor Strange? Rachel McAdams. Those two are like my number one and two, like best at pulling my heartstrings in a female role. Yeah, yeah and yeah, I really like yeah, her yeah, and yeah. that, and I, like you know, has gives a look and is just so cute and so endearing yeah. and, and kind of heart and and and, and appearance. Um, but like to see her in this role where she has to like be owed owed to somebody and then like talk about all these horrible things she's done and I was just I was miserable with that I wasn't having a good time I was like oh this is terrible these people that like Han wants to be this happy-go-lucky guy and he's got this girl who he loves who's like kind of loves him but also at the same time is has this horrible secrets and and she's owed to this Dryden dude and 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 it just was it was I I'm very conflicted about it it's going to take time for me to get over it that said though it was really the it was a lot of the driving force that took me through it emotionally was who's going to do what and when and I really did for the last third of the movie really care what happened right and I'll tell you when the moment that it got really good for me when the um woman took her helmet off yeah, yeah, and it yeah, turned yeah. out that the one I'd say the big twist when she takes her helmet off and you see that 
um, what are they called? The Inverness or uh, Evaness? Um, or, yeah, like they called them Marauders at first. The 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 the, thing, the, yeah. the Nest or something like yeah, that. Yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They when that reveal happens and you find out that that they're really not the bad guys they look like the whole time. Right. Um, that was the moment when the movie got into overdrive for me, and I was having like a really. Was I like the last act a lot. Why? Well, and yeah. I like it helped that I like Paul Bettany's character a lot. Too. Like he was he's good. He was very hard to. Um, he was very hard to not hate. He's very. Well, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. but like, I mean, that's. I mean, it worked as a you know smuggler anti-hero villain. I also like, really yeah. like Thomas Beckett. Um, Harrison yeah. was excellent too. I just wish he didn't have to have an ending like that. I wish he could have. I don't know, just somehow... It was kind of a fun way to, like, solidify the Hanjot first thing, though, after that. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I just... Yeah, I get what you mean. I just wish that... I just wish that it didn't have to... Like, that's his mentor. Another, again, another thing that Tim said that I'm going to give him credit for was he said, in order for this to be, like, the foundational stuff that made Han Han, there needed to be more missions. He needed to spend more time yeah, with Thomas. He, yeah. he said, I guess what I wanted was a montage or something. To show that, like, this wasn't the only mission right, they went on. Because right. this wasn't enough. Yeah. And it wasn't really a success. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. Um, and, and it just, it, their relationship was too short-lived for him to be a mentor and uh-huh. too backstabby. There was no time for them to even be bonded, for them to have a backstab. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just, I, I like a lot of the characters, but then the decisions that the plot made with them bothered me. Yeah. At the same time, though, all of it led to, I'm very conflicted, as you can tell, all of it led to a movie that I enjoyed, the last two-thirds of the movie I enjoyed, and the last third, I'd say I loved. But there are problems with it that made me feel pain. Like, I didn't like to see that she had to, like, get that ring and become evil. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is so Star Wars, and it's so overdone that they can't go off and escape together. Like, why can't she, like, why can't she steal the emeralds, you know, send Darth off in the wrong direction, and then bounce? Why couldn't that happen just once? Why? Because Han Solo's got to be Han Solo. Why? Because Kira's not in A New Hope, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it just, that sucks. And so the very nature of these being these kind of films, these canon like, yeah, origin yeah. stories, yeah. ruins the ability to have, have it be a story endings. I yeah. wanted. Yeah, yeah, I hate yeah. downer endings. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and and even if they try to make it up with having Chewie like touch his shoulder, like, <laughs> no. He lost his mentor, who was a really cool dude, actually. Um, you know, when they had their final scene, he's like, I never was going to play that instrument. Like, he's a good dude. Why right. did he do that? Right. Why didn't he want to split it with Han? That doesn't make sense from the character they showed us. Yeah. I get that he could have been that character, but that's not who I saw on screen. Yeah. yeah. And, and then Kira having to do this cold-hearted shit where she like rolls off now again it. she did that you know people have explained to me that she did that for his benefit to get or else he'd be dead and i get that but at the same time like not again not another kylo ren ray situation where like they're they're gonna bond but nope they go light and dark split you know and now now kira's gotta go and like be indentured to darth maul right right um another thing tim hated the darth maul thing oh really i, I mean, thought it was, it was i'm fun, fine with it like i'm fine with well it. i mean i guess because i love darth maul and like that gives me hope that Bill will bring... I mean, well, he's already been brought through... So much The stuff. Clone Wars and Rebels and the comics and stuff. But that's pretty cool to see that, like, they brought him back to the movies for a little cameo and may bring him in the future. I mean, something. do you think it's pretty clear... Well, this movie's doing poorly, so probably not. But, but I mean, the whole idea of, like, this movie sets up Solo 2 so clearly. It does, but, I like, I, yeah. I don't want to see it. It's going to be it. hard to do it. Cause, yeah. Well, that brings... Uh, uh, well, do you want me to go ahead and share more thoughts now or talk yeah. about the box office? Uh, share more thoughts. Yeah. Well, okay, so the biggest thing, too, like, I mean, because I, it helped that I didn't really have high expectations going in, so, like, I mean, it was fine for what it was, but 
The biggest things that I had problems with, though, I mean, so the music sucked. There was like, oh, I didn't no, even notice. There, that's the thing because there was like no. I mean, regardless, because I know you're not as big on Rogue One. I mean, I'm not that. You know, I hate either. Rogue One. I don't. Okay. Just, I'm not even that big. Oh, yeah, I tried yeah, to watch yeah. it again on Netflix. Okay. I got as far as that part where the dude is in the the informants in the. Uh, uh, little yeah hallway and he like kills him and you're not even sure what the fuck happened and yeah, i was yeah. like Meh. okay well like but with that one at least uh michael giacono's score is fantastic okay. it's like it's a nice tribute to john williams but it's also original this one there was no wow factor to it i hate oh my gosh at the very beginning though i mean this i know this is a minor quip but i'm gonna be nitpicky about star it's wars because it's my it's bread fun. and butter when the um, title pops up after the... They don't do an opening crawl because they're not doing opening crawls in the anthology films. But when the title pops up on the screen, like, while they're in the streets of Coral... Oh, it was know, a terrible like, intro. Oh, gosh. I hated that so much. It's no, like, it was so poorly done. When Solo just, came on, like, it, it every part... It was like part, a photoshopped, like, every, ad for a... I don't every know. part of the beginning of that movie, no one in my theater cheered. Yeah, yeah. Nobody in my theater was pumped. There wasn't yeah. a gasp. There wasn't a clap. There right. wasn't a thing. It was silence right. that shit thing came on i was like this street rat yeah chilling out on this shitty ride yeah running away from not a good heist right. is when you want to say solo oh, what what a bad choice horrible god um, i'm so with you on that i've forgotten how yeah. much i hated that and that was the thing like it's like i mean it's an okay movie overall but like if that's the standard for the future star wars standalone movies that's a bad sign for me because it's like it's like okay there's, there's no uh, I mean, no great score. The cinematography... Now, the cinematography was done by Bradford Young, who's the cinematographer of Arrival. So his kind of murky aesthetic works great for Arrival because it's like a, you know, like more muted, um, futuristic Boy, sci-fi kind of, kind of dance kind of thing. With me, right, because... because like, you have the cinema side that, that is yeah. really good. Go ahead. So, like, it works great for that. With Solo, the kind of muted murkiness works better at the beginning when he's on Corellia in this crime-ridden streets... And then he's an Imperial Trooper. After that, I really needed a brighter color palette. And it was so just gloomy the whole time. Like, even the Kessel Run sequence, which was well done was from, a good, good uh, right, from an like, action perspective, still, the lighting, the cinematography is so muted and murky. And it, that really took me out of it. So, like, that's why it was hard for me to, like, really get totally into it. And I would say, like, it, like I, I, that's why I can't say, like, enjoy. Like, enjoy is a strong word for me because, like, it, that just all those things just kept taking me out of it so like i mean it was fine enough for what it was but all those things just like uh like the music is lifeless i also the don't get the sense you like han solo as the character that much i've never like loved him as yeah. much as because well i mean that's i mean like i'm, all, I'm, I'm not always, saying that has that much to do with this i think you could have enjoyed a movie about han solo yeah but it's i mean oh he's i mean like you're I, not that big on han it sounds no like. i don't care about him nearly as much as Boba or anything even. like i mean yeah so that, i mean like i mean he's been fun but he was always like I he's mean, not your favorite he was the one by a who, long stretch I, well it's like uh, i think people liked him because he was he didn't care and harrison ford never cared about his guy like he wanted to be out of the franchise years ago and um and like uh, and he would have been fine like he had no enthusiasm for this one he wasn't really that excited about coming back to Force awakens which is really interesting because he does a phenomenal job of Force awakens that's probably the perfect send-off for him but yeah he was just i was never as big on the like anti-hero macho smuggler i was much more into luke from the time i was a child to now so like i mean that's just an, i mean like as much as i have star wars um i'm yeah, just gonna be that's less, a good thing to know i'm gonna be less interested in the like just smuggler type like 
stories where no Jedi are involved or anything. I might, that's why I've been hammering for a Knights of the Old Republic movie for a long time because <laughs> I would much rather see that in our interesting, interesting. No, so, that's cool. You're 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 in a you're in a minority with right, that one. Right. I, I think there's. I don't think that. I don't think that everybody's like favorite character is Han, but it's yeah. certainly for a lot, of, a people, lot of people a big yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, I always. I mean, out of the core trilogy of Han, Leia, and Luke, it was Han was always at the bottom for me. So in terms of so. That's why I never really let any EU material I've read always more Sith stuff, Jedi stuff. Um, even other, I mean, I've read other stories where it's like not really Jedi focused, but different characters. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that. That's interesting. Know, but, well, that explains why you weren't, we're, we're less excited yeah, about this, just, even beyond all the issues. Right, right. I just um, like don't care as much. About the, yeah. Interesting, interesting. And, um, but you're absolutely right. I think you're right when you say that. As much as I enjoyed him as its own take on the story, like I think for the story they were, I think the problems that you had with Alden Ehrenreich were much more script, in my opinion. Again, they kind of yeah. They're script related much oh, more than they are performance. He, he like, is, and he did because yeah. we were told that he was bombing, and I don't think he bombed. No, no. I just think that they made him this credulous, not yeah. incredulous, but credulous kid who was in love and led with his heart mm-hmm. and and really cared. And I get that Han does to some extent because like with Leia, like that really, he does fall for her even though it's against his yeah. own sort of co- code of conduct. Sure, sure. But he, he's very much colder. And, and I get you have to develop that coldness, but if he's this street hustler rat on the street, you know, you're going to get some coldness from that. Right, and he's right. just warm. Yeah. He is warm like a fuzzy From, down like coat. A, the whole time. Yeah, like, like warmth pond, itself. But yeah, and so and it was just weird. It, that. Well, yeah, and, that's, and that just is what they did. And, and I, I just think all of that, I think that Kira should have been like this unobtainable woman from the beginning right. and then when you see her later it's still this girl he always saw from afar that he loved right. it's not his childhood sweetheart because right. that's not Han and right. that certainly isn't I mean so when I see her being cold later and, and it just doesn't come across as right it's like they were in love they were like the two kids at the orphanage yes. who are gonna get married yes. no doubt so trying to sell that she's like it'll never happen no yeah. it will happen happen if this was real life there is nothing that could pull them apart if that was the origin and so han just isn't a character who had that background so i just wish they anyway go ahead well and like i mean especially because lando is that well i i called donald glover as lando like years ago so like that was perfect but that's the thing you look at him here and he's pretty much just the same as he is in him but he's got that like cocky you know kind of like i mean it was just enough subtle differences to make him like feel like at this point in his life but he still had all those like character elements that we know him for. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Lando again, it's been a while since I've seen Lando's original performances, but I feel kind of like um he would just Donald Glover just showed up and like was just talking. Like I didn't feel like there was any like I don't know, but maybe that's what it needed. You know, he just kinda, to, I mean that's the thing, that's just kind of the game. I mean he's yeah. just cool. He was yeah, exactly because he, he wasn't because he wasn't doing any kind of like big performance. It was just Donald well, Glover. Like, I mean, hey, okay. Well around. there aren't any like with Billy D. Williams and Lando, like he doesn't really have any like he's that's the thing, he's just a cool character and like I, yeah, I just yeah. wouldn't say it if people are like, Oh my god, Donald Glover stole the show. He was so phenomenal. Like he was good. I didn't feel, no, I, I wouldn't good. say that. But yeah, I think yeah. Woody Harrelson and Amelia Clark were better. Right. Um. I you know I thought Alden Ehrenreich was fine. I thought um yeah. it was good to good. Um. And I thought that Donald Glover was good. 
you know but i did but i wasn't like oh my god like once he's in it i'm having a blast like it wasn't like that because i'd read that before people were like once donald glover's in it he's phenomenal just like you'd expect from the beginning of when he's in it till the end is the best part of the movie and i I just didn't i didn't have that experience and he was good yeah but i just sort of was like okay there's donald glover being lando that's cool Um, a lot of this was like that though you know but to me it's more whereas some people might say like what this movie is is a six. To me, this is a seven five eight. Okay, you know yeah, what I mean? Not a, it's definitely a six five. I don't understand why that is. Like, what's so bad about it? Like, what is bad about it? I know you okay, said the score and you said the cinematography, but well, like, again, it's just kind if, of just if like, it had just been its own movie and wasn't Star Wars, though, you think it's a six? Yeah, I mean, oh. like. Well, I mean, well, it's a bit like it is so much. Uh, I know it's it's impossible like, to extract to to pull it to from pull being that, Star Wars. Like every scene is like you know, trying to connect it directly to here, and like like the line at the end when the um the woman you were talking about earlier um says like hey maybe you can join the rebellion with us someday and he's like don't count on it and stuff like that like um he's like i'm a loner like just little force things like that i mean like i knew they were gonna yeah. happen but it was just like i see what you mean yeah that did point suck. a to point b to point like you can we have a little more subtlety here like we don't need like every moment to be like directly tied to set up for i worry because i just think it was a mistake i think it was a mistake to so concretely show his background. I right. just think it was a mistake. Right. I think it could have just shown a really quick scene with him as a hood rat in Corellia. He's in that trouble, and then that was it for the whole kid scene. And then it flashes forward to him, like in a quick boot camp scenario. And then, like, um, you know, and then next thing you know, maybe a quick scene with Chewie, and then you get to see him doing his smuggler thing a little. Then you see him meet up with uh, the other guy. Yeah, like, yeah. just a more quick. I don't. I didn't need in depth detail about how he met Chewie in that pit. Right, right. I just right. thought that was just misguided, and and, and Chewie just seems so unimpressive in there. I was yeah. like, this does not look like an impressive badass. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a little like dude in a suit. Yeah, yeah. It, it just. I don't know. There's there's something missing. So if I had to like make a point here of a comparison, it would be like think about the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie, and like that one is very much about kind of like exploring the origins of Kirk and Spock. Oof. Granted, in a different universe, like in a, yeah, right there. see, that's and the like, magic. Know, they yeah. get to have that. They get to have that yeah. But even if they were setting it in the same year as the original one, still, like they just they do a good job of the movie of one. The casting's perfect. I mean, I've always loved um, Chris Pine as Kirk, and then Zachary Quinto as Spock. But beyond that, like the little Easter eggs they included throughout the movie, they weren't so forcing in your face. Like you know, the first time Kirk sits in the captain's chair, um, like there's another, there's a narrative driving the movie that, um, like it or not, like it's there. It's and then all the Easter eggs to the original series are you know nicely incorporated, but they're not so hammered in and forced in in your face. Whereas this one, I thought they were. I mean, like every like you know, Han and Chewie. Um, you know the blaster, the name drop, the line at the end, all these things like um, you're like, oh, I hear about this big gangster, you know, doing a job, you know, Drama, about right. all these things. So it was just like, I mean, I knew that was, was what it was gonna be, and it's fine, but it just, I, I, it just made it hard for me to be like really excited about it. So, 
So uh, let's talk about a little bit. We didn't get to it. The villain Dryden. What did so? Uh, another thing somebody yeah. told to me that was interesting. Is it true that the dude from The Wire was going to be that role originally? Oh, Some, I didn't know that. Somebody no. told me that he was, and and when he was, he was much more of like a cat man, like a okay, cat sure. villain. And then they when he couldn't show up for some kind of filming. This story sounds weird, but. And then they, they recast him, and then they, the way they got the cat across was with the claws that would come out on the face, like, you know, the scratch oh, okay. marks. Okay. And then and then these, these blades are like cat blades. Okay. And then his character is cat-inflected infl- or influenced. I didn't okay. realize that. Okay. But that's I interesting. Not know about but what that, do you but... think of Dryden in general, um, and his role and his sort of evilness and, and that just that role in general? He was good. I liked him, yeah. I mean, yeah. and it was cool to see Paul Bettany and Ron Howard reunite. Um, also, Warwick Davis got a cameo in there, too. I he saw was, that at the end, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I liked him fine. I mean, like I, I thought he had really good kind of like the you don't unpredictable. Um, you know, he could have killed him at any moment, and sort of like the you know play with that. He, you know, he had an interest in Han. Um, I lo- you know I like those scenes where they're just kind of talking in the uh, there's little chambers there. Um, so yeah, he was fun. I liked the look of him. I like Paul Bettany's performance. Um, I mean, he's still kind of you know. I knew he wasn't going to be in it much, but he was cool. So is this movie really doing this bad? It's, I mean, for, I mean, well, it's probably everything bad when it's Well, I mean, less million, than 100 million for, in a weekend? Yeah, I mean, for, barely, for this kind of movie? It's barely scratching 100 million, and to put it in perspective, um, so it's it's Memorial Day weekend, um, and Rogue One got 155 million um, just in its first three days. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely... Oh, here it is. No, no, no. Um, oh, oh, was that U.S. though? Because here it says. Um, well, it also it bombed in China. I think. Well, it made 148 million global for the first weekend. It looks yeah. like. Yeah. Which yeah, that's it says Star Wars solo Star Wars story bombs. Here's what I don't understand: Why are people not ex- like? What does it take to make a movie so successful? How did they get Rogue One to do so well? Is my question. So if these yeah. side stories aren't going to get the kind of numbers. Why why did Rogue One work and this not? When I think this one is infinitely more accessible on its face and intriguing on its face. Well, I think because I think and with the name recognition, nobody knows any of the characters in Rogue One. Yeah. So why is that? That's it's interesting thing is that like I think they actually had more success with that by having original characters because they didn't have to worry about you know casting or anything like that. With this one, everyone's hung up on. You know, no, like no, a lot of people weren't excited about Alden. Er, er, how do you say his last name? Is Aaron Reich? Um, Alden uh, Aaron Reich. Aaron Reich. That's how that. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people weren't excited about him. Um, it. You know, I. Um, all of the production stuff going behind. Um, a lot of people didn't like Last Jedi, unfortunately. Um, and there was like, yeah, there's a lot of different things they contributed to it, but. I didn't expect it to like bomb that bad, but I know um, I'm really I just don't understand. People love. I also Han think they, they did uh, make a mistake by releasing it now and not in December. They've been releasing Star Wars movies in December. Uh, I thought this they jumped the gun too fast. Yeah, and also Deadpool is everyone's they, at Deadpool. They just came out Deadpool and Infinity War. So yeah, they, those uh, it was too soon. It wasn't the right time. Was, yeah, so that definitely contributes to it. I, I yeah I don't I don't I still get it. Expect it to, like, I just can't believe yeah. it. I mean I it also sort of it's all the things you said are probably more important for yeah. indicating this or, or leading to this. But 
I wonder how much, like, all the troubles that this movie has had, like, I wonder how much that trickled down to the average person and seeing that. You know, like, the yeah, av- that, the I, kind of person that... I'll give you the person I'm talking sure, about. Sure. The girl who was at opening night of Avengers Infinity War and said, I'm going to write Stanley Family a strongly like, worded note. Did she that know woman, that Phil Lord and Chris Miller got fired and all that? No. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, yeah. yet maybe? Yeah. Was it that big a story? Or, or maybe just the thing that trickles down to somebody like her is that... Alden Ehrenreich is a lame Han Solo. Is that is that like enough I to penetrate? I think that was more of a fun at the end. Well, really, the trailers were not impressive no. at, at all. Um, I thought like, and even I didn't then, think that mattered that much. I don't think that mattered that much, but um, you could put out a trailer that just said Star Wars, and then the and people, people be pumped. See it, but right? like um, not this time though. Yeah, I mean, but I think the yeah people see that actor and that he doesn't live up to their expectations. Uh, and so that, I mean, when you're recasting one of the most iconic characters of all time, it's really hard. It, it's hard. So, like, that's what I said. Like, I mean, Rogue One did have that advantage of not having to worry about that. And also, like, in the, like Obi-Wan, they're safe because Ewan McGregor already said he wants to come back for it. And, um, and he'd be perfect for the... Because if they're setting it between um, Revenge of the Sith and... Uh, New Hope, he's the right age for Well, he'd be it crazy because, like, to not do it, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're safe there. Boba Fett, they don't really have to, I mean, because he's a, behind a helmet. Um, and so casting a younger Han is a very big challenge. And yeah, I think, that, I mean, that did play a lot into it. So that's it's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, well, um, I know the answer to the which one's better, Deadpool or this. <laughs> oh, you yeah, know, clearly yeah, like yeah. Deadpool more. I just can't believe that. I just can't believe this movie's doing as poorly as it is. It it really blows my mind that Solo, the Han Solo movie, is not a smash hit. Mm. Is it, it's it's mind boggling to me. Like I I don't know. It's it, it's going to make me rethink the way I think about what makes a movie successful because it seems to me like even if I mean it's getting decent reviews. The reviews are not terrible. I yeah. read this article that just was saying it bombed they said they're decent like reviews C they're like average. eights yeah. no yeah. they're like seven five eight yeah i read a lot of sevens but yeah okay yeah. all right um anyway yeah anyway it's it's an interesting case um we'll have to see where they go in the future do you think with these kind of numbers solo two's out it's unlikely well and even if it is it would be a while because now they've already announced a bunch of others well they put what they want when they want yeah yeah I mean they could put Solo 2 in two years easily and then just have you know the whatever movies come later yeah do you think think I mean don't don't you think though when they were making this that it was clearly set up to start a franchise yeah yeah I mean you got Lawrence Kasdan and his son wrote it um you know they've got the cast in place I'm sure Aaron signed up for contract for that would allow him to stay on for multiple, um, and you know, Clark and yeah, and all that, yeah. All that. So, yeah, I think they definitely had it in mind, but yeah, it's. I mean, it could still happen. It's not as likely though. I'm just really shocked at, at what happened with this movie. The, the kind of crash and burn it kind of is. Supposedly the, the domestic is 101, and then the global is 148, where usually it's a 50-50 split. Yeah. So it should have been 202 at the least. So it's not only is it doing bad here. But it's doing even worse globally. Yeah. That's just I, I, I it's it's shocking. Yeah. I think probably a big. If I had to now that I'm thinking on the fly about it, I think probably the biggest factor is that's not Han Solo. What the fuck? I'm not mm. going to that shit. Right, right. Like if there's one thing that I think would be the number one reason when your average moviegoer wouldn't go, yeah. it's like that doesn't look like Han Solo. That doesn't sound like Han Solo. That trailer looks like yeah. 
And if you uh, just scrolling like social media, you'll see those kind of kind of comments and so yeah, like that isn't Han Solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. Oh, there yeah. definitely wasn't as much swagger. Right. Um, I like the Kessel Run stuff, and I like that he Kessel did it in twelve fun. parsecs. And I mean, there were definitely fun moments. I wasn't yeah. like yeah, there definitely were. And I, and again, yeah. like I said, the last third of this movie I found riveting. And I'm bad about movies. I think that two and a half hour movies are fucking hard to get my attention and keep it. I can watch a TV show all day. But when it comes to a long movie, I really have that's trouble. Interesting. Yeah, I really have. Well, you know, I, I mean, I watch one or two episodes, and then I maybe later in the day can watch more. I don't watch yeah. five hours in a row. Right. But even still, my attention span is not a problem. I don't have like fundamental ADD. It's just that movies they tend to drag in that third quarter yeah. for me. But in this one, the last third of this movie was just I was riveted, you know, eyes open and peeled on that screen, really waiting to see who double crosses who and what's going to happen and what the play is. Okay. And so they pulled that off really well. You said you liked the ending. Yeah, I mean, I liked fun. I didn't really care that much about who double crossed who and all that, but oh, it was okay. fun enough. Well, what was good about it then? I mean, it was well stylized. I thought the action was pretty good and it was cool overall. Man, you but... just talking about it, you got even worse on the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. You soured further. It's also coming off. I've seen Infinity War three times, so like that, that like everything. Eh, it's that's definitely my big blockbuster of the year. So it's like, yeah, this coming after that. Damn, dude, you're yeah. going. Um, next thing you know, I'm gonna ask you, and you're gonna say four point five. That's Not coming, that low. man. Not that low. Now five point five. You yeah, sure? It's like it's like a six five. Whew. Damn, man, I have not seen you this down on a movie you were excited at all about. Um. In a long time, man. Yeah, I you were well, really disappointed. I didn't really have and any you, no expectations, and you're still disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. It was okay. All right. Cool. Um. Anyway, uh, on a brighter note, what are you looking forward to checking out coming up? Uh, let's see. What am I trying to think? What what's the, what's the rest of the summer? What do we have? Um. What's the? Oh, we saw the trailer. Ant Man and the Wasp. Ant Man and the Wasp. That'll be fun. That looks um, good, right? Um. Yeah. And then I guess more in the fall. We got like. The Halloween one I'm interested in checking out. Um, the Halloween like, oh, the, the with, reboot. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. With what's your name in it? Yeah, right. Jamie Lee coming back. Yeah, um, that'll be cool. Um, and then I'm gonna check out. Oh right, so, when's yeah, that coming? You know, October. Okay, well that's always. Yeah. Oh Halloween. Yeah, yeah, Perfect. yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, every time I see that Venom trailer, I'm just blown away by how good that CGI is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever yeah. it is, that cool. mask. Yeah. Oh my God, it's good. It looks, cool. it looks so good. That's my main reason for being intrigued by it. I was like, that that looks cool. Yeah. And I Tom Hardy is Eddie Brock. So, yeah, yeah, Tom Hardy's great. I mean, he just is really. Good. Yeah. The Predator um, one, I'm iffy about because the trailer dropped like a week ago. Um, so I don't know. There's, it doesn't tell us much, but it looks sort of like uh, it's Shane Black directed it. And if you notice, it's like in all of Shane Black movies, he has a kid in them. You see it in Iron Man 3, nice guys. Like, and the idea of a kid in a Predator movie is just really weird to me. So it looks kind of like a feel between like, you know, hard sci fi action and then like Spielbergian tropes and stuff. And that to me is kind of a weird, you know, juxtaposition. Um, we'll see up there. I mean, I'll see it, but I'm not. It looks kind of meh. Uh-huh. But um, so we got to that. Um, I'm looking forward to watching. Some, I'm looking forward to watching some Westworld. Yes, Westworld. And, and some more Howard's End. And uh, yeah, reading more. Um, um, yeah, what American are you reading? Gods. It, American well, Gods. Well, American Gods. No, yeah, not yeah. really reading a lot of comics lately. Okay, gotcha. Um, but um, but yeah, let's see what else. I'm trying to think TV wise. Oh, I'm about to dive into Discovery. Star okay. Trek Discovery. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. because yeah. people in my writing group um, have said like that show has the best twists and surprises of any show they've seen in years. What are you gonna watch it on? Um, I have CBS All Access. I just okay, got cool. it for Sweet. that reason. Okay, so cool. Sweet. We can talk about. That. All right, cool. Um, 
All right. Well, on cool. that note, I'm Rich Lapore. Kevin Schaefer. And where can they find us? You can find us at joyofgeek.net for all of our content. Um, store all our podcasts there and on Podbean and iTunes. Um, you can find me on Twitter at KWShape. And me at um, Rich Lapore. And I tweet out all information about my comics, blog posts, etc. Um, so I'm always active on there. Cool. Well, anyway, um, we will see you all very, very soon. Take care. Bye-bye.